WSAU Radio, DJ Mad Max on the airwaves here at St. John's University as we have a special guest on the phone lines from the Losers Club and Halloweenies podcast, Michael Rothman. How you doing tonight, Mike? Good. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing very well. Uh, as I said to you when I put you on the air here, I had an honor having you back this year because I had you on last year for my Halloween show. And I know we were talking a lot about the new Halloween movie, but looking back on that, has your opinion changed about the new Halloween film? No, you know, it's funny. I've watched it a bunch of times over the last uh, year, even though I'm not, you know, when I first saw the film, wasn't crazy about it. There's a lot of, you know, pent-up anticipation for us because, you know, we spent all last year in that first season of Halloween just building up to David Gordon Green's movie. Mm. And our anticipation, you know, our anticipation was so high. And when we walked out of that screening, we were just really disappointed for a variety of reasons. And since then, there are things I like about the movie that I, you know, I definitely appreciate. But I still just, I feel like it's a total um, failure. Yeah. (laughs) My opinion has gotten worse. Oh, it's gotten worse. Yeah, right? I I can't stand them. I, I just can't stand that. I can't stand the Rob Zombie ones either. I try to watch those as they show them on Fear Fest. And I just yep. and I always go into it thinking, you know what, this wasn't a terrible remake, but by the time it's over, I'm like, yeah, this was horrible. Yeah, you know, it's because both of them, they, they both missed the whole point of what makes Michael Myers so interesting. I mean, if you look at the original one, I actually just was fortunate to see it on the big screen here in Chicago at uh, the Music Box Theater because uh, they, in Creepy Co., had put on this really cool production of showing, like, the first one and this, actually the new one from last year. And I left before the new one started, but what I, you know, even just rewatching the original one, John Carpenter's from 1978, you know, Michael Myers should be in the shadows. He's the shape, you know, he's yeah. the shadow in the background. Like, you know, he doesn't need to be this like brute force that like busts through walls, <laughs> breaks down all these doors and slams people's teeth off. Like, it just that doesn't need to be him. You know, that's Jason. That's Jason Voorhees. And, you know, make Michael more cerebral, make him a little bit more atmospheric and, None of the movies really do that. And, uh, you know, even the second one, back in 1981, they they go, they, they make him a little too brute there. You know, he's like, and that was only because they were trying to compete with all the 80 slashers at the time. So for me, it's just, I would love, I would have loved if David Gordon Green could have just made him a little bit more of like a force. You know, mm. like something you, you feel around you or, you know, you wonder like, ooh, what's that in the corner right there? It could be him or couldn't be him. And I don't know. I just feel like the sequels, they missed that point. Rob Zombie definitely misses that point because he even over-explained too much in those movies. So. Oh, yeah. Those are horrible. Yeah. And as yeah. you, you, I'm sure you already know and you guys, the rest of the podcast members know, is that they made the announcement of the two sequels to this one now. So uh, I, know. I don't know what <laughs> to expect. It's Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. But will it end is the real question. That's the that, that, and it's such a ridiculous, you know, one that they expect us to actually think that it's going to end. I mean, look, this is as we've seen over like 40 years now. It's 41 years since uh, yesterday, actually, when it first hit theaters, the original one. They're never going to stop making these movies. They make money, you know. Like last mm. year, it became the highest-grossing slasher of all time. Like, I mean, in in box office dollars, that means at least two sequels, which is what they announced. So. It might mean the end for Laurie Strode, which, thank God, she's only been to the ringer enough. I think that, you know, she's been the sister of Michael Myers. Now she's back not being the sister, and she's the the warrior that's fighting Michael. I mean, it just, for me, 
if you're going to do more Michael Myers movies, if you have to do it, just do a different story. You don't need to show, you don't need to follow the Strode family anymore. There's no, I agree with that. So, we'll see. I mean, what we're looking at right now with a lot of these sequels is that they just seem to be mining a lot of the nostalgia from the original one. You know, they're going to have Ronnie Elam, who is, uh, or Lonnie Elam, who is the, you know, the original bully from the, the, the first one. He's going to be in it. Oh. They're going to have Tommy Doyle, who Anthony Michael Hall is going to be playing. You get Lindsay Wallace. They're actually getting Kyle Richards to come back, uh, who's, I believe, in um, the Real Housewives uh, TV show. So it's going to be fun in that respect, but they're already, like, doing stuff that they did in the sequels. I mean, they, the set photos already show that they're going to go to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. It's like, we did this. Yeah. <laughs> like, do something different. And at the know? end of Halloween 2, as well as the 2018 version, they burned them with the fire. So I don't really... I know. It, it was, it's just so pointless to the point is am I going to want to go see this when the movie hits the theaters I just don't even you know, know. You're gonna go. I'm going to go cuz I'm a Michael Myers fan <laughs> but exactly. it's it just when does it end and I was watching yeah. AMC Fear Fest this year and I'm just watching H2O and Resurrection I'm I'm like these are bad films they're terrible I I, I don't like H2O at all I have a strong hatred for it It's interesting because I all right so I'm God. So when H2O came out, it was 1998, I was only 14 years old. And so for me, it was a big deal because I actually had seen The Curse of Michael Myers in theaters, the mm-hmm. Halloween 6. And I liked that movie. I mean, it's crazy. It's not anything like the first I think one it's it's very creative wild. how they were going with it, with the Cult of Thorn and all that and Agreed. the rituals. I, I think that was a great storyline. But then, then you have H2O, and it's just they don't even elaborate on six anymore I, I, no I just, because yeah. they do the, the lazy thing of being like well the sequels don't exist from Halloween 4 to 6 and it's just like that starts this whole trend of being like well does the story ever matter because if you're just going to always reboot it then what's the point what what, what are the, what are the stakes when you're just going to consistently you know reset this over and over again I mean it's wild to believe and it might be unprecedented that we've already seen the death of Laurie Strode, spoilers for the awful Halloween resurrection, uh. and yet she's back again. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so wild to think that this this is the most convoluted franchise in the history of franchising. Like, I mean, it, it's just so bad. Like, there's so many different narratives, and, but yet, I'm drawn to it. I don't know, I can't explain it. It's just, I, I'm still, I'm going to go see Halloween Kills, I'm going to go see Halloween Ends, and I'm sure there are going to be things where I'll go, yeah, I like that about this movie, but I'm sure ultimately I'm going to say it should have ended with the original. I mean, if they're going to make a sequel, do the Halloween 3 Season of the Witch route. Like, I like that. I mean, could you imagine if, you know, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch would have been like maybe Halloween 2 Season of the Witch, and mm-hmm. then every year we got a John Carpenter produced or John Carpenter written anthology movie? That would have been such a better outcome than what we got now, where we get the same story again and again, like small town Illinois. Yeah, it's redundant. The killer comes back. It's so redundant. Yeah. yeah, you don't need it, and here's the thing about Fear Fest this year, which I just can't believe, is that they're not showing part two and part three, which I love the first yeah. three, and it's and it it just pisses me off that I can't watch those three. Well, I can watch the well, first one, but two and three, I can't. One of the things I noticed about Fear Fest this year that's interesting is because uh, they started playing a lot of sci-fi stuff, so, you know, like you get like Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah, three, that's not scary. I know it doesn't make any sense. I didn't mind Jaws because I love Jaws. I, I think that's yeah, and Jaws is a horror movie. Yeah, but it's a total, you know. But, but the reason is because you have so many streaming platforms now. So you have like Halloween One is on um, Shutter, and then you get Halloween, uh, H- Halloween twenty eighteen, Halloween two, and Halloween three. They're on you know HBO right now. So then 
the only rights they can get. And I think even Shutter even has Halloween four and five. So they're all out. They're all over the place now. So you can't actually get the whole marathon like you used to. Because I I grew up, you know, I'm a latchkey kid. So I grew up loving, um, you know, network television or you know cable television and just leaving it on in the background. And during October, AMC Fear Fest was like the thing I always had on, even though. I would argue they put the commercials too much. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree, and it's still that way. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a mess. But it's, it is sad that you can't watch them all together at one point because you have to kind of jump over to different streaming services to actually get any, you know, story there or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, they're still great to watch during the um, during the fall season. And Joe Bob just did uh, Halloween and Halloween 4 and 5 on his uh, marathon on Friday, and that was a blast. It was, it was a lot of fun. You saw it on the big screen, right? Well, I saw the first one on the big screen of the music box, but um, Joe Bob on Shutter, he he uh, hosted a Halloween Hootenanny oh, on Friday, okay. and it was so much fun because everyone gets on Twitter, uh, all the horror fans get to talk, they share their own little trivia, they share their jokes, and it was really fun just seeing Joe Bob just take down Halloween Five because I, I mean, that one is just the first real god awful. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, so. I mean, what are you? Uh, what What are some horror movies that you uh, you've been enjoying outside of the Halloween though this year? Because it's, it's been a pretty interesting year since we last talked. Actually, yeah, some horror movies that I've been really enjoying is The Shining and The Exorcist. For some reason, those yeah. two films I really just been dissecting those, and mm-hmm. just admiring Jack Nicholson's performance as Jack Torrance. I think that's one of the greatest performances in cinema history. He, you just Great. buy his performance. Yeah. Yeah, The Shining is is probably. I used to say it was you know in my top five, but I, I think it's quickly becoming my favorite movie of all time just because it's just there's so much that you could you know you latch onto or that you want to kind of focus onto every time you rewatch it. It's it's such a rewatchable movie because there's so much depth to it, you know, and there's a lot of depth that doesn't have a lot of clarity, you know, like you don't really get a lot of answers, so you just kind of kind of formulate things in your head, which is why you have that documentary Room 37. So, I. I love The Shining, and I can't wait for Doctor Sleep. Which oh yeah, that's say, coming out next week. I can't wait. Cannot uh, wait. I'm looking yeah. forward to that one. Did and you see? Uh, did you see Midsummer? No, I haven't seen that one. I haven't definitely seen. Definitely check out that one. <laughs> I haven't seen It Chapter Two yet either. I need to go. Oh my god! How was that? Yeah, was no... is that worth the watch? You know, it's funny. Like a lot of my colleagues, they they didn't like it. I I really. It's not as good as the first one. The first one I think is great. I'm not. I, I actually don't think the first one is terrifying as you know people say it is. I mean, I think Pennywise is kind of like whatever. But I love the relationships with, that the kids have, and um, I love just you know seeing you know the the very Stand By Me esque mm. qualities to that first one. And I love a good reunion movie. I'm a you know I love the Big Chill. So this one felt like in that vein. But I just wanted a little bit more with the adults and a lot of the, the dialogue that Gary Doberman wrote and that just wasn't, it just wasn't very good. And, um, a lot of the scares got a little too, um, you know, pop up scares, jump up, jump scares. And so for me, that didn't really do much, but I still thought it was good. I mean, I, it was a fun movie. Like it, it's an event movie. It's, 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 it's an action movie per mm. se. So for me, I looked at it that way and it, look, it, I had fun. It's two and a half hours of, Stephen King lore I was in so you should de- I would definitely check it out when it comes I'm, out I'm gonna have to check that out but the thing is when I'm watching it I, I love Tim Curry's performances yeah. in, in, the, in the 1990 version I, I there's just something about this clown where he's almost 
like a monster or demonic, whereas you buy Tim Curry's performance as an actual clown, which makes it creepier, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. I mean, the the fact that you could see him, he's not like reverting to some CGI thing. Oh, yeah. There's something, there's a tangibility to it that you just don't get with the new one. Um, no shade to Bill Skarsgård. No, I, he's I a great actor. Really good job. Yeah, yeah. I think there's, when he is Bill Skarsgård, he's great, but when he's this like thing that's zooming around and, you know, doing all these jumps and stuff, like that doesn't do anything for me. It's not scary. And it's just, after you know, while it actually becomes almost like headache inducing because you're like, oh my God, how many times are we going to hear the loud sound effect that associates every time with this? But um, yeah, I, I, I still would recommend going to see it. I mean, watch them both together. When it comes out in DVD, I, I want to say it comes out in like a few weeks, but when it does, just watch the first one and then the next night, watch the next one and you'll probably enjoy it. I mean, it, it's fun, but there's so many other good horror movies this year that I, I think that's you probably want to go to those first. Um, like, did you get to see us at all? No, I, I'm not. To be honest, I'm not a huge fan of the Jordan Peele films. I'm not. I saw Get Out. I liked it, but I don't know. It's a, it's a weird psychological thriller to me, mm-hmm. which was Get Out, in my opinion. I'm more of a slasher guy. Even some yeah. of the, the the paranormal movies can get on my nerves because everything now is you got to have a camera for and the screaming and if you even if you turn on. Some of these shows on the television networks, Ghost Hunters and stuff like that. Yeah. Every, every, there's always just someone screaming in a room, a door closing, and that's that. That's what I feel like where this horror genre is heading. Because I noticed that a lot of people that I watch at the radio station here who are watching in the back room, they always like their paranormal movies the most. And yeah. I'm, and I'm, I'm a slasher guy, so I gotta watch the slashers. I'm just I just ask them, how can you get into this? You might like us. I mean, us has got the slasher like it do- really it very, does. Yeah, like it's got it's a lot like the strangers. Um, okay. Where it it, it it takes it to another level because it it's uh, it's got a very Twilight Zone esque uh, you know quality to it because it's all about doppelgangers. But um, there's a really cool uh, sequence that's in the beginning that's legit terrifying because the it's like a home invasion and they they're all wearing these matching red suits and they have these these uh they have these scissors and it's it's really it's that stuff was really captivating it was really riveting and you really see that like i mean peel is just a great filmmaker in terms of detention and i think you'll i think you'll dig us more than you did it get out because it definitely fill it fulfills the, the slasher quality for sure mm. you know um especially if you like the strangers because it's, it's very strangers esque. what's your favorite stephen king movie is it the shining it's <laughs> the shining in the in the sense that he you know Stanley Kubrick was able to take the core themes and what the shining was supposed to you know kind of uh kind of capture i mean it's it's a it is a descent uh into madness and a lot of people argue that you know Jack Nicholson's already crazy at the beginning but for me i, I think that he goes to another step in this movie and i think that the, the, the overall like themes of uh, you know like the alcoholism to um, dealing with uh, you know even with just like the the narrative for Danny with like having these, this this parent who's an abusive parent like I think that Cooper gets to the psychological themes that are welded into King's work um, so I, I I love it for that just him doing his own thing within King's source material but in terms of like capturing an actual Stephen King story and putting it to perfection on the screen. Uh, Stand by Me is my favorite. I, I just, okay, I yeah, that's so a, that's a great film. 
Yeah, That's it's okay. not a horror movie, but out of the horror ones, I mean, The Mist is is right there for me. Um, because especially if you watch the black and white version, because that's that's a pretty pitch perfect adaptation of uh, the skeleton crew story, um, the mist, and it's a different ending. It's a far bleaker ending. Uh, <laughs> one of the one of the most unforgiving endings of all time, uh, but it's so good. And I love Thomas Jane, and Thomas Jane is just phenomenal in that movie. So, would recommend the, the mist. Mist. Shining, Stand By Me, that's a pretty good Stephen King uh, marathon if, if I had to say so. Did you see the Pet Cemetery remake? <laughs> yeah. What, did you watch it? No, I haven't. I, I'm a horror movie purist, so when it comes to remakes, there's certain ones I'll touch, and then there's certain ones I won't. Yeah, it, it there, just depends. One, I don't know. Like, I mean, I love the original one. I mean, Mary Lambert, when the 1989 version's great. I mean, Stephen King wrote screenplay for that so it's like you kind of can't really go up from there because it's pretty devoted you know it's 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 exactly what he envisioned for the adaptation and he did a really great job and i i really like the original one it's one of my favorite horror movies so when they announced the remake there i was a little trepidatious for it because it's just like i wasn't i didn't really see the need for it i mean like this is a stephen king renaissance like what was great about it is that we only had a miniseries before so we never really got to have a feature film adaptation so Having that kick off, I wanted to see, you know, stories that hadn't been told. That's why it was really cool to see Gerald's Game, or it was really cool to see 1922. Um, but seeing, you know, the Pet Cemetery again, it was like, well, we have a great adaptation of that. Why do we need to do that? And, mm. you know, Dennis Woodmeyer and Kevin Kolsch, to their credit, they do try to do things that are differently with the source material, especially the, the final third act, which gets, like, really wild. But they don't lean in and into it enough. Like, I would rather have had them go really crazy with it and just do something different to surprise me because it's so beat for beat what the original story is with little slight subversions to kind of, you know, be tongue-in-cheek about it. That wasn't enough for me. And I think it, it wasn't enough for a lot of people because a lot of Stephen King fans didn't really dig it and a lot of horror fans were like, well... I'd rather go watch the original one. So I think your your instinct is right, but I mean, if you're looking for a fun horror movie to watch around and you like the Pet Cemetery story, it's worth checking out. I mean, the performances are great. Amy Simons is awesome. Jason Clark is great. Um, the kid uh, the kids are are effective, and you know, I, I love um, I love John Lithgow, and him playing Judd was fun. So, um, you know, not the greatest Stephen King adaptation, but. It's not awful. I mean, there's definitely been some really, really bad Stephen King adaptations, and that's—I wouldn't say that's one of them for sure. I know I've heard on some of your podcasts uh, that you guys prefer *Children of the Corn* two over the first one. Is that right? <laughs> we do. Yeah. Really? We, we've yeah. So we have a we have a spinoff series called *Lobstrosities*, and that's basically us covering Stephen King sequels or any movies that take the quote-unquote Stephen King brand and just totally run away with it, like. You know, like Lawnmower Man, which has nothing to do with the original story, but it's still tied to the Stephen King name. And um, actually, he sued to get his name off of it, and he won. But it's still, you see the Lawnmower Man, people know that Stephen King was associated with it, whatever. But with Children of the Corn, we we cover those because there's so many sequels. And what we learned is that they surprisingly get better sequel by sequel. Like if you like Children of the Corn too. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's better than the first one, but I actually liked Urban Harvest, which is the third one, and it's so crazy because these, these sequels just, they go, they go so beyond the source material. I mean, Urban Harvest is literally, <laughs> the kids move from Gatlin, which was 
the original story is just a bunch of you know kids in in this uh, you know community that have taken over Gatlin, and they create their own little sort of cult. The mm. third one, Urban Harvest, takes they, like this family in Chicago adopts a kid, brings the kid to Chicago, and the kid starts developing this corn in between these two houses and like it's it's ridiculous it's the most ridiculous movie but it's so much more fun than the original one because the original one's not a really good movie and it's not a great adaptation either and um and so it's just fun i mean honestly if you're gonna watch a stupid pulpy movie that you want to put on you can't go wrong putting on children of the corn two and three um even though they're you just have to go in knowing that these are going to be the, the probably the, some of the dumbest movies you've ever seen. <laughs> so there's really only you can only go up, really. So. Mm. What what makes you think Children of the Corn is a bad movie? To me, I liked it from when I was a young kid. I don't know what it was yeah. about it. I don't know. It's it's funny. My, my my girlfriend said the same thing the other day. She's like, "No, I like Children of the Corn." And the thing is, is that it's boring though. I mean, if you go back to it, I don't really use I don't like to use boring as you know a description for or or mm-hmm. you know as as any sort of critique because it's so subjective. But it really is just like nothing happens. It's like, okay, well. I mean, it's so boring that, like, the, the movie literally ends with them just walking away from the car and the credits just start rolling because they're like, oh, the movie's over. Okay, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, so I, for me, it's, I don't know. The, the first one just doesn't really do it. And the problem is is that the source material doesn't really warrant an adaptation. Like, the source material is, like, it kind of, no, no pun intended, it has the seeds for, uh, for like, uh, for, like, for, for in, to inspire a further story. Like, you know, if the the first one, the actual short story that appears in, I believe it's Night Shift, um, it, it basically is the tail end of, mm. like, a tale. You know, like, the, the, whole, the whole short story is, like, them going to the town and them exploring the town and seeing that it's, like, that's empty. And the deaths are pretty rapid. Like, so the children, the actual children themselves, like, the titular children of this corn only appear in like the last few chapters like the last few pages of the short story so, like, yeah i've checked this book out it's from in barnes and noble actually over the summer I, I just looked at it and it's a short story i did see that yeah it's 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 they literally appear at the end and then it's over yeah so, like to make a movie about that you kind of have to like get really creative and i just don't think the original one gets that creative and i love seeing linda hamilton because i love terminator but uh it just doesn't do it for me so <laughs> give me give me urban harvest with Charlize Theron's uh, first cameo, first on-screen appearance, I think. She's like an extra in it, so it's kind of funny seeing her there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd pass on that one. (laughs) (laughs) It might be your nostalgia playing with you a little bit. Yeah, that could be it for me. And I know you guys did the Nightmare on Elm Street films this year for the Halloweenies podcast, which I enjoyed. What did you love most about dissecting these films? Uh, I love the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Uh, I think they're imaginative. I think even at their worst, they're still more creative than any horror movie of its time. Um, even the worst one, which is Freddy's Dead, like, yeah. there's still stuff in that movie that you're like, holy sh... You know, like, how the hell did they do that? Like, that's so awesome. Um, and I, so for me, it was more fun and more enjoyable this year because we just finished it. We actually just recorded the remake uh, episode, which is going to drop on Halloween this week. Um and so that wraps up our, our nightmare coverage, but it was so much more enjoyable going from movie to movie here because a there's an actual through line. They don't like reboot everything. They stay pretty consistent from movie to movie with showing the beats and you know having actual arcs. Whereas Halloween, it's just 
so crazy and it just gets so further and further away from where it started and freddy's freddy i mean he's the dream demon like you can really that's pretty you know that's a, a pretty evergreen you know story to go back to and i think for the most part like every sequel stays pretty true to the original one it just keeps trying to find ways to just come up with more and more um out of this world dreams and and by the time you get to the fourth and fifth like they get so creative with their dreams and like it's not he's not scary anymore but you're still having fun so i i had a blast revisiting it and i was surprised to see how many ones i never really liked growing up how much i love them now like i really like nightmare on elm street too and i actually think that freddy krueger's scarier in that one than he is in the first one or even later on in like new nightmare so it was a good run it was a really fun run and i'm it's i'm glad that we've reached an end that we can kind of take a break because we're going to figure out where we're going to go after this but um i think everyone really wants us to do jason but i think we want to take a break from slashers for a little bit and try to find something different but we're going to have a meeting soon and figure out what we're going to do uh from there but oh i I love to hear your coverage of the friday 13th films i know you'll probably kill the real later ones i know jason x is (laughs) definitely not one of my favorites yeah, but you know what? Jason X is still fun. Like, I, I would rather watch Jason X than, like, Halloween 5 any day just because it's it's so ridiculous and it's so self-aware in its ridiculousness. Like, I'm, I'm almost hoping we do Friday because uh, Justin, um, you know, my colleague on the show, he is a scholar when it comes to the Friday the 13th movies. Like, he knows every name in every movie. Uh. Like, so, and that was one of the things I was missing in Friday, or Nightmare on Elm Street coverage this year is, like, you know, you go back to those episodes of Halloween, like, we have inside jokes for every one of those movies because we grew up with them, we love them, we, we would create narratives for random characters. Like, Caffrey is it's his favorite movie, Halloween. Like, none of us would argue that, like, Nightmare on Elm Street's our favorite movie of all time. And, like, that was what was missing in this season, I felt. Like, we all love this franchise, and we know it really well, and we did our research and whatnot, but it's missing that sort of, that, like, homegrown love and, yeah. and Justin has it for Friday, so I really want to see him just go off on these movies because he has a great ranking um, on Consequence of Sound um, that goes really deep in every movie. So if you want to go into like the pro- the proper ranking, I call it proper because I trust him more than anyone over anyone um, over the Friday movies because he knows them so well. So I, I'm kind of jonesing for it, but at the same time, I would like to see if us uh, if we could do something different. Mac and I. Who was, he was my, who was also his, Justin's brother, yeah. we had a real creative idea to do um, like an Alien versus Predator season where we, we can do um, all those uh, as they were released. Like, you know, so you'd go from like Alien to uh, Alien to Predator to Alien 3. But we, we don't know. Ooh. We're going to find out. We're, 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 uh, we're, we're still kicking around some ideas for the next season. Would you go into the child's plays or the screams? You know, it's funny because we, we, we almost thought about doing Child's Play this year because of the remake, and then we thought that the, the Don Mancini's TV show would drop this year. But ultimately we felt that we had to do something that was a little bigger and a little more populous to get uh, you know more listeners coming in. And we felt that Child's Play might be a little too niche, but, God, I love the Child's Play movies, and I love and respect Don Mancini for being able to keep this alive. I mean, he's still making sequels to that original movie. And... So there's a lot there, and I think we'll eventually we'll get to the Child's Play movies because I know that um, I know that a couple a couple of colleagues of mine they they love the they, they love that series. So it would be fun to do that, and especially if that series comes to fruition next year with Brad Dorf, because I think there's a lot that we could kind of mine there and do like week to week episodes and stuff if, if we wanted to. You know. Mm. 
But Scream would be fun because I love Scream. Um, Scream 2 is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen in theaters. Um, that's my generation's like huge event horror movie. Um, I remember running the original one and just blo- it just blew my mind. Randy Meeks was like my personal hero. So <laughs> I would love to do like a mini series of Scream because there's only like four of them. And I guess we could, you know, arguably cover the, the really crappy MTV show. But um, Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. The sky's the limit with us. Like, I mean, we, we, we love horror movies. We love talking about horror movies. And we want to tackle as many franchises as possible. I think one other idea that we had was, you know, there's four quarters, three, you know, three months per quarter. Or we could do, you know, four, like, you know, uh, three, four episodes or something like that. Like, maybe do Scream for four months and then do... Um, you know, like Poltergeist for like another three months or three or four months or something. Like, you know, you, you could shake it up that way too. Or even um, the Texas Chainsaws. Exactly. Oh God, that talk about a weird journey that um, would be. Oh, the, the the one with Matthew McConaughey is brutal. I saw that for the first time last year. I said this movie stinks. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a tough watch. Uh, uh, and Renee Zellweger's in it and. You could just tell that, like, both of them are like, what are we doing in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, terrible. That's yeah, ter- not very good. But it's crazy because, like, all of them have, like, pretty big stars in them. I mean, if you go back to, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, like, Viggo Mortensen's in that movie. Uh, I mean, like, Ken Faree, who's from Dawn of the Dead, he he's in that movie, too. I mean, like, there's some great stars and stuff to talk about, but I don't know. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre lore is weird. Because there's not a lot of depth to it. I actually think there's more depth to the remakes than there are in the original ones. I, I would agree with that. I enjoyed you know, the remakes, so the 2005. Yeah, those are 2003, and I believe the other one was it 2005, 2006, I think. I think 2005, yeah. I actually really like Texas Chainsaw at the beginning. I think it's a really brutal movie. Um, and I I, I just, there's, it, it, it's unexpected because it's the prequel. You don't really know what's going to happen. Um and yeah, so I, I actually really like. I just watched that actually. I think it was on Fear Fest for like last weekend. Oh, uh, um, I, I watched it on Sci-Fi. That. It was on Sci-Fi, I believe. That's where it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was on Sci-Fi. Sci-Fi. I watched it, and I, I think that's a great film too. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought that was one of the better remakes of uh, uh, in the Oz when they were doing all the Platinum Dune stuff. Mm-hmm. But. And um, no, but I really enjoyed the Freddies this year. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would you What would you personally want? If we had, if you had any franchise that we that, that we would cover, which one would you want personally? Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Because Halloween is my favorite franchise. Yeah. So you you already covered that, so I'd have to say the Jasons next. I like the Jasons. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, everyone wants the Jason. I mean, we. Uh, I mean, odds are we probably end up doing jason but there's there are some other ones like i know a lot of people have been wanting uh, hellraiser um oh yeah that, there's a lot there. although the later ones are just a torture they yeah, are the only hellraisers i enjoy are the first three yeah ditto. yeah the first three are great fourth one isn't bad i like bloodline a little bit yeah. um i think adam scott's actually in that which is funny but um but yeah i mean we'll see i mean stay tuned to our socials i mean we <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna announce something within the next couple of months, um, and we'll figure out where we're gonna go from there. Would you do the Universal Monsters? It, uh, you know, Justin actually recommended that uh, a while. No, no, it was Mac. Mac recommended that because he's a huge fan of the Universal Monsters, and I've actually never seen all of them, so wow. I would really love to see those from like a, a you know first hand perspective. But 
I just don't know how they would work. You know, I I, I need to ask um, my pals over at Claudia Disgusting how the coverage of them works. They, I know um, Megan Navarro, who's just, just an incredible writer for them, uh, she just did something recently with some of the more classic horror movies. And I want to know how, that do- how it did traffic-wise because I do feel like that's like an underrepresented part of horror coverage now Like because nobody ever really talks about that. And those are the, the core – that's like where modern horror comes from. And so I, it would be cool to go back to those and kind of – see the historical you know uh, uh development for that and and kind of look at like where the production was and kind of trace the influences in the other movies because i mean the freddy kruegers the michael myers the leather faces they all go back to that they're all like offsprings of that of what those creatures were you know brought to the silver screen so those would be fun i actually from a historical perspective would really like to go to those but i don't think that would come out anytime soon i think that would be down the road for sure hmm. Yeah, those are basically the pioneers for the Michaels, Jasons, and Freddies, and all those guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. definitely say that. And is there right. any upcoming horror movies that you're looking forward to seeing? I know you mentioned Doctor Sleep. Any other ones? Doctor Sleep's the big one. That's going to round me out for the year. I really am excited for um, some of the stuff that's uh, coming out next year. I'm really curious to see what Josh Boone's going to be doing for The Stand at CBS All Access. Uh, I really wanted. Um, I really want to know what is going to come next from Ari Aster. I, I, I know that um, there are a couple of filmmakers who are kicking around doing horror movies themselves. Um, you know, it, there, there's just so much that it just never ends. I mean, personally, I I guess I'm curious to see how this Black Christmas remake is going to shake out. I saw that the other day on while I was watching Fear Fest. They showed the promo, and I remember last year you said Black Christmas is top five for you. I love the original one. I think the original. I think I actually like the original Black Christmas better than Halloween. I, I don't. I don't think it's a. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's a better movie because I think Carpenter just perfected just Bar- Carpenter and Dean Cundey just created just an absolutely gorgeous movie. But Bob Clark's Black Christmas is ten times scarier. It's ten times scarier because you never see the killer. The killer's just no. his voice, and it, the voice is so disarming that I, I mean i saw it for the first time alone on christmas actually and i was just watching my friend corgi and we were just like sitting there and he the court the dog wanted to go out and i was like i i, I don't want to go outside right now this is like legit terrifying <laughs> i am like I, and i don't really get scared easily from like horror movies and i know it sounds like so macho but i've just watched them so much over my life that i it, it takes a lot to scare me and that movie just every time i watch it the use of darkness in that film with you it's the same way hereditary uh stays with me um after, you know for a year later like anytime it's pitch black in my apartment and i'm just going to the bathroom or i'm going to get water that movie if i've watched it recently i have to turn on my life because it, there's just something about that movie like i just imagine seeing an eye staring at me somewhere so effective film and one of the best movies to watch during the holidays when you're kind of having those you know the the, the halloween uh you miss the halloween uh you know season for sure mm. just uh, seeing yeah. the black christmas commercial the other day got on my nerves because i hate remakes it's just be, i know be creative leave the classics alone the second one this is the yeah i know there was remake. another one that came out what was it 2006 i believe yep oh, oh. it wasn't even that far ago and like you know if this is like uh I, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, it's conceivable that they even make a sequel. It, like, knowing it, that it's Blumhouse, and Blumhouse is so, you know, beholden to the – like, they wanted to, like, create these, like, direct sequels, like, almost like Halloween 2018 did. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some connective tissue to the original one, but even then, like, it, it, it was an original movie. Like, the first one was, you know, it had its story. So for me, it's like, it, you don't need to do it. You, you just, just re-release the original one, and that's far more effective, you mm-hmm. know? So, Mike, what will you be doing this Halloween? Just watching this movies Halloween, pretty much? I, I mean, we've been watching a horror movie every night. Uh, last night we rewatched Donnie Darko. I don't remember what tonight is. I got to see. Uh, but Thursday, I think we're going to go to um, the Chicago Athletic Association here in Chicago. Uh, in Chicago, obviously, um, they're having a Stephen King party, and I think I got to go to that. <laughs> so, <laughs> They're like dressing up each different room is like one of them is going to be like the shining room. One of them is going to be 1122. I think they're doing a, a carry party um, upstairs. which going to be like a senior prom. So I think I'm going to go to that. But uh, what about you? What are you doing for are you going to be on the air the whole time? No, I'm actually taking off this week after Tuesday night. I'm going to be just heading back home, join Fear Fest. Maybe I'll put on some of my own movies. You know, I'd, I, it'd be nice to see Halloween 2 and 3. Instead of watching, yeah. the, I'm going to be drenched in watching H2O, Halloween Resurrection, <laughs> and, and then the Rob Zombie remakes. This, I, I'm telling you, Fear Fest this year is terrible. I know. It's, it's not good. And it's but. not in order. I know they were showing the Final Destinations and the Omens one day, and they're backwards and all yeah. over the place. I don't know what they're doing, and it's, it's very odd. The backwards thing is odd, and like I, even like some other 31 days, we I noticed like, the selections were really odd. Like I think one of them for uh, I think it was Freeform or maybe it was Disney. I can't remember which one, but they had like Iron Man in it, and I was like, "What the hell is going on? Like these aren't like horror movies. Like there's so many horror movies out there now, and especially new ones that have been created the last ten years. Like you'd think that you'd have an allotment to be able to do something different. But yeah, Fear Fest is a disappointment. But hey, that's why you got to get the streaming services. I mean, like Shutter has been killing it. I've been enjoying the Creep Show week to week, even though I haven't. You know, I haven't it. looked looked at those. Are, are is that series good? It's fun. I mean, it's pulpy. It's uh, it's definitely campy. It's a little cheap, but it's 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 ultimately it's perfect for this season. And you know, you look online, and even like Buddy Disgusting has been doing like um, uh, their 31 Days of Horror. We're doing our 31 Days of Horror on the Losers Club, so you know, we're always there's always recommendations online, and there's always people tweeting and doing live tweets and stuff. So that's been fun throughout the holiday. But honestly, like I I, I just like creating my own list and. The, the, the joy and the beauty of these streaming services is just you're able to find anything now. I mean, even the deep cut stuff, like there's like Tubi, uh, which is a, I, I've never heard of this streaming service. And we found all of these old like 70s and 80s horror movies that you can watch uh, for free and uh-huh. commercials and stuff, but it's awesome. So seriously, if you have any, um, like if you have like Amazon Fire Stick or like if you have like a um, Apple TV or something like that, definitely get these apps because they're the best for the season right now, and you could create your own, and you could also look at, like, see what, like, like Hulu's doing, like, their own Huluween, and, um, God, what is it, the PSU has their uh, on-demand selections, they have a lot of, little, like, more, like, more, like, fun teen stuff, like Hocus Pocus or Halloween Town, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of variety out there, it's just, you just gotta go and find it. Mm. And, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that, been, pretty, been one. Pr- pretty much, that'll be my Halloween, just watching horror movies, but, um, is there anything that you do? You ever collect any fright rags apparel and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, we. I just. Uh, I actually just bought um, uh, a Creepy Co, which is based here in Chicago. They were hosting the screening last night, and I uh, 
I got a cool little uh, Michael Myers. Um, it's like a cup, like one of the, the stadium cups. Okay. And it kind of lo- it looks a lot like how um, McDonald's or Burger King back in the '90s used to do a lot of like the the promotional tie-ins. So that was really cute. But then there was also I bought like a really cool lobby card that was um, it's like a poster. So they got that. But I'm always buying spooky stuff, like whether it's Funkos or. Um, we bought like a Michael Myers pillow that my girlfriend got me for Christmas, and that oh, was, was that from Creepy Co? Yeah, that's and it's really soft and nice. So that's my favorite uh, <laughs> out there. I'm a huge Stranger Things fan. If, oh, uh, that's a great that's a great know, series on Netflix. Love it, and honestly, that's if you're if you haven't seen that yet, like go watch that. I mean, like the Stranger Things three is is, is a it's a blast to watch. I mean, it's the season two takes place around Halloween. That's it's, those are that's, that's like a you know, definitely fun to watch around the I like the too, nostalgia so. behind it, too. Oh, ditto. It, every, ditto. Everything is just 80s horror movies. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a blast. But, um, uh, and I can't wait for the next one. I'm, I'm always waiting for the next one. But, yeah, I mean, I'm even looking at my desk right now, and it's just, it's crazy to, like, think of just all the crazy crap I've amassed over the years. I mean, it's just, I like the little mini-mates. Like, do you ever collect those? Like, the... They're like I create. I, you don't know. I create the yeah the mini mates yeah I've cr- I've collect those and the NECA figures too. Oh me too. I, I'm looking at a. I have a. I have like all the movie maniacs from like the 90s and then also the NECA line that they've. I mean they've done Halloween for so long that it's been about. I want to say 15 years since they released this, but they had like a Dr. Loomis like versus Michael Myers one, and it came with like the steps of the Myers. Oh yeah, it was like that's awesome. It's a two pack, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's awesome, and like the the pumpkin lights up, so it's just wild because I mean, like growing up as a horror fan, like you had Fangoria, and you had like maybe some merchandise that came out around the time that the movies did, but you didn't really. It was like there, there was a real vacancy for this type of merchandise and now it's just it's so it's, it's overwhelming how much stuff there is like tomorrow fright rags is not to promote fright rags but they're going to be like <laughs> dropping like a really cool vintage uh crew jacket that's going to be for halloween 78 i saw like, that i can't wait and that's a reissue too because it was it was, uh, it was available last year and i debated uh thinking my teeth into that but I, i'm i don't know i might i might have to grab one tomorrow because it's so cool looking and uh, I, but that's the thing i'm just a sucker for this stuff I enjoy I, I enjoy seeing that promo today, and I think I'm gonna have to grab one too. And yeah, you should get it. You yeah, get one, and I should get one, and then we should meet next year and do this live together wearing our jackets. <laughs> I think that would be fun. <laughs> that would be that would be great. That'd be dope, actually. Yeah, you're, you're in yeah. Chicago now, I believe, though, right? I am. Yeah, this yeah. is my. Uh, I'm from South Florida. I'm from Miami originally, but I. I moved up here about 12 years ago, and I don't want to ever leave. I love it here so much. I, just, it's just a, I live on a really cool, spooky street that's next to uh, the Music Box Theater, which is my uh, my church, uh, and uh, I love it here. I mean, it's it's the Midwest is great. It reminds me of all my favorite Ray Bradbury novels growing up. Is, so there, is it similar to Haddonfield? Up. It is a lot, actually. Yeah, I mean, when, when Falls turns around um, or comes around, actually, like, I... I traditionally walk through the streets when like the the leaves are changing and like put on Lori's theme on Spotify or something like that all oh, uh, oh, the soundtracks we got into that last time and I and I agree yeah. with you 100% I think Halloween 3 is the greatest soundtrack from that series I agree yeah it's so good it's so good and I and I I've got a lot of vinyl for that that's another horror collecting thing is the vinyl never ends I mean Waxworks they do I think it's like every week they announce a new title. Mondo always is, uh, you know, re- 
releasing limited edition runs. Like, I, so I'm a, again, I'm a sucker for a lot of stuff. But yeah, the Halloween three one is great because um, the one they did for that comes with like all these like uh, cool replicas of the masks. So I'm I love it. And there's I always put that on whenever I'm like writing when during the fall and stuff. So that's a good one. That's a great soundtrack. Now, do you collect any of the what are they? Oh, the Jemmy animatronics. I know Home Depot released a line of those this year. I believe it was the Beetlejuice, the Freddy, and oh, what was the other? Oh, Pennywise from the new It. Do you collect any of those? The, the, I would if I had a lawn. I, I, I've got an apartment, so we've. I've always been tempted to get something because I'm a huge Peanuts fan, so I love Snoopy. So oh, okay. I've always been tempted to get like the big, um, like blow up Snoopy with the animatronic, but I don't have a lawn, so. If I did, I would, but um, my brother-in-arms, uh, Mike Vanderbilt, he has a house that's down in South Florida, or I mean South South Chicago, and uh, he goes all out. I mean, he, uh. he basically replica he re- he replicates like um, like last year he replicated uh, John Carpenter's The Fog, and he had oh, like wow. all these crazy fog machines. He he has like gravestones. He has animatronics out there. Uh, it, it's wild. So, but if I had a lawn, absolutely, and especially that Beetlejuice one. The Beetlejuice one at Home Depot is unreal. I, I, I like. Oh, and it spins so its cool. head. Yeah. Yeah, it's really really cool. Um, do you do you have you collected some? Or? No, I I wanted to get the Freddy this year. I I really did. Yeah. I was tempted, but I feel as though his mouth should move or something, because it's just yeah. his hand that Freddy, moves. Freddy, he's got to talk. Yeah. He's got to talk. It's not. So. It's not. Like he's Michael Myers or Jason, and you could just have him move his hand with a knife or whatever. But with yeah, Freddie, you need yeah. him to talk. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it's very important for that. And I know Creepy yeah. Co. also has the blanket throws too. I'm waiting for the Halloween one <laughs> to come back in stock. Yeah, the they they were selling those last night, and I've every time I go to their merch table, I'm always tempted to grab one because they're they look the first off whatever fabric they use for any of their stuff is just so soft and like so cozy and i want that car i want that uh that that rug so bad or not the rug but the uh the blanket the blanket is so awesome and i actually have the uh vhs tape that um it, it's uh based on um, oh for halloween I just need to get it. yeah i just need to get a vcr again i haven't gotten one but that's my next mission yeah, the throwback things are coming back in the style. The vinyl collectors and the VHS tape collectors. I was doing a little bit of both of collecting in those avenues this summer, so I noticed that that's a trend. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I just have the, I have the addiction uh, gene. So when it comes down to, um, you know, I'd rather be addi- you know addicted to you know buying some stuff than other things. So <laughs> I take it with that. You know, I I use that as a my excuse for the most part. But I mean, <laughs> anytime I get obsessed with anything, I go all in. I mean, like when Stranger Things three hit this summer, my girlfriend and I were at like Target every other day, just buying stuff. I picked up like all the Funkos. I like rented a zip car to go to a Hot Topic out of town just to buy like the Hopper shirt and all this other stuff. So it's the same thing with with any new franchise that comes out. Like this month, it's been. Um, Oh God! What was it? It been? It, it, it's been like it. Chapter two was like stuff I bought there, and I'm sure when Doctor Sleep stuff comes and drops, I'm gonna start picking up stuff there as well. But it it just never ends. I mean, I'm I'm pop culture junkie, and I will be for life, and whatever. I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing too, have you checked out the Walgreens this year? I know they have those three collectible. What are they? They're, I know they had the Jack, the Reagan from the Exorcist, and Beetlejuice this year. They they're what are they? They're like little anim- animatronic dolls almost. 
Yeah, they. Um, uh, I, I mean, I I scoured everything. Like I went to like like CVS had a lot of really cool peanut stuff, so we picked up a um, a dancing Snoopy and we got a Devil uh, Woodstock. But then like Wood like Walgreens has got some really good stuff, and uh, I picked up a, a few mini mates that were from there because they they were all there, they had some of them in stock. But uh, at some point, I do have to stop. You know, I I, I usually put a cap around. Like I think like the first or second week of October, where I'm like, we're good, we got enough. We, <laughs> you know, if we go any more further, we're gonna go crazy. Target actually has some really cool stuff though. Um, like the we bought a neon bat. Like they had some really cool neon uh, lights that were that just add so much. It's like a really cool creature monster to get to the house. So. <sighs> wow. But, but yeah, but hey, this has been this has been a lot of fun. I actually have to go, have to hop out hop off. Oh, that's right. You have you have to do, you have to tent something else, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a little event to hit up, but um, but uh, thanks for having me on. This has been, you know, it's, it's, this is a fun uh, Halloween tradition. I would uh, I'd welcome that for sure. If we want to keep this going. Oh yeah, so let's keep this going for the next couple of years here. As, you know, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm always promoting the podcast up here. I talk about it a lot on my shows because. I, a lot of my guests will come on here sometimes and say how much they love the Halloween movies, and I'm like, you know what? You should check out the Halloweenies podcast. Go check them out. Well, hey, thank you so much for that. Seriously, <laughs> we love we. You know, any friends of the pod, you know, we we try to we try to definitely you know keep in touch with as much as possible. And hey, you gotta let let me know if you ever want to hop on ours. I mean, we we'll be doing some. You know, I'll keep you in the loop with what we're gonna do in 2020, but. You know, we'd love to have you on and uh, you know talk some horror. Oh yeah, I can talk about any any horror movies with you, yeah. especially the Friday Thirteenth, or even if you were to dive into something is like B movie, is Sleepaway Camp, any of those. Oh I, yeah, yeah, and we should we we will definitely get into those for sure because I, I, we want to expand a little bit more into 2020 and kind of find new ways to just go beyond just like one franchise at a time. We want to be able to have like mini sods where we can cover things in between. So we'll definitely keep it in the loop for them for sure. Yes, Mike, and I hope you have a happy Halloween this year. And I hope you do too. <laughs> Is there anything yeah. else you want to get out on the airwaves here? Um, I'm actually on TuneIn too. Like, I, I host a weekly show um, called Relevant Content for Consequence of Sound, and uh, this week we're going to be talking about Martin Scorsese. So, uh, tune in on that uh, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TuneIn. So, Consequence of Sound Radio. It's a lot of fun. So, that's one of the other shows I do. And um, this week on. Halloween, you will be able to uh, hear our Nightmare on the Street uh, remake thoughts, and then we're also going to be reviewing Doctor Sleep, the movie, uh, for Thursday. I believe we're going to get the episode out by Thursday, so that should be fun. Great, great. A lot of stuff this week. Yeah, but. and I got to say this to you, Mike, before I listen to the upcoming episode dropping this Thursday for Halloween. Robert England is the only true Freddy, and that's it. I can't look at any other Freddies with I the agree. same. I agree, Jackie O'Hilly. You know, I love him, but he's great as Rorschach. But come on, he's not Freddy. He's not. Uh, he's the only one. He's the only one. <laughs> I I agree. Robert England is the one and only Freddy. And Michael, I'd love to thank you again for calling into the show. And it doesn't even have to be Halloween. If it, even if you wanted to call in to talk about a movie, you know, I'd love to have you call in. Oh yeah, no, hit me up. Hit me up whenever. I'll I'll, I'll hop on. I got, I mean, my whole rig is at home anyway, so I'm I'm always able to hop on whenever. <laughs> oh great, great, great. All right, Michael, I want you to take care and have a happy Halloween. All right. You too. Happy Halloween. You too. Thank you. Good night.
WSJU Radio DJ Mad Max on the airwaves here with a few special guests. Tony Pavena on the phone lines. And new member Georgie, who is the host of the Chatterbox on Thursday nights. Oh, yeah, Thursday nights. That's right. And I had to have Tony Pavena call in. And Georgie, you're a huge horror fan. So just to carry the time here before I... Interview Tony Todd. Is <laughs> you know, it's spooky season and just to get your thoughts on this year's AMC Fear Fest and or horror movies in general, is there anyone that just wants to throw a topic out there? Pavena, would you like to lead the way for this conversation? Mm, well, um on Fear Fest right now we have the original Friday the thirteenth going on. Nineteen eighty zone. Uh, um, absolute classic. Oh, uh, I th- I think absolute that's the classic. best one out of the franchise. Yeah, the more movies you go towards, the worse it gets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the way to ten, the Jason X. All the way to ten, yeah. And Jason X is like the piece de resistance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain like 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 Jason X did not really need to happen. I don't think <laughs> Jason taking Manhattan needs to really happen either. Um, you, you know what? I said that too, and uh, people would argue with me because uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I, I didn't really like Jason takes Manhattan either. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that a little low there? Yeah, it's fine. Hmm. Jason takes Manhattan was on this afternoon, and you know what? I like the nostalgia and the aesthetic of it because mm-hmm. I'm someone what? who... Loves New York City I, I also and loves like, horror movies. I also like the design of uh, Jason in uh, in Takes Manhattan than in uh, Jason Goes to Hell. I, I, I agree. feel like I, I don't know what they did with Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> J- Jason go Jason he had, he had a oh weird tumor head. Yeah, I'd say so. But another thing that bothers me about Jason Goes to Hell is can we see Jason in this film longer than ten minutes? I don't even think he was on that screen I feel that like long. I feel like it was the uh, Halloween 3 of the Friday the 13th series because it was just like an entirely feel it felt like an entirely new threat because it was just instead of Jason being the usual slasher villain he was just going around possessing people yeah which by itself is an interesting slasher concept but it was part of the Halloween exactly. and not ho- ex- Halloween excuse me Friday the 13th yeah, I've always said that Jason goes to hell is just also like it was basically the filmmakers just basically saying, okay, we've had this guy here too long, too long. Now we actually have to find a way to kill him off. Oh, like they, we have to actually end it. They, like, blow, right they blow him up in the beginning. He starts possessing people, and then he's sent to hell at the end with the special sword, I believe, or knife. Yeah, some... some. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it was such an like odd film. Time. Yeah, yeah, they added so many. Things. It honestly felt like an Evil Dead film. I don't know what was going on with that. Yeah, that was bad. Really? That that one Evil was. Evil Dead is a classic. Too. It is. It I, is. I argue every day that Evil Dead Two is possibly one of my favorite movies. And every single time I show it to someone, they're very confused. Yeah, I know you showed it here in the station. I showed it here in the station. And I walked That's in, and oh, Pavetta, you would have you would have been dying. I walked in. Gary, Loco, and a few other members were just traumatized. Their faces were like, what the hell is this? Because I showed them uh, Evil Dead 2, and, like, by by the tree scene, if you know what I mean, like, the, the kill with, uh, what's her name? 
um but she gets dragged out of the cabin and well no she she gets mm-hmm. and she goes into the yeah. woods and she gets dragged out and then killed that way by getting dragged into a stump um like they were just like yeah this is a, well, I mean no they were probably like that after the during the the fight scene with the hand in the kitchen but yeah there's just so many great scenes in that like I love horror movies that are that are cheesy like that that's like uh that's a kind of an opinion that a lot of people don't really agree with but I just love cheesy I like movies that have a little bit of crust if you know what I mean like I love B movies I love movies that you'll find in a video store but like didn't really get a theatrical release I love that kind of stuff because it's just like because that was I'll give you an example of what we were talking about earlier the sleepaway camps and me and Pavetta cover this on one of our podcasts with the Conspiracy Squad and the Curses podcast well, because well, the first the first sleepaway camp is an actual horror masterpiece. It like, is. That's what horror should be. Like the next two were just like, okay, let's like keep the story going. But you didn't need to do that. Like, how about the guy in the tent in the third one, Favetta? Oh my God, that did not need to happen. Like, why is that guy there? <laughs> oh. And two other really. Like, Sorry, go ahead. Oh. Oh, no, I was, I was just going to say, like, that character just didn't need to be incorporated in that sort of manner. The old like, guy in the tent. Like, was the guy supposed to be, like, creepy? Like, were you, like, were you, like, supposed to root for him to get killed? Like, like, I think you were. Like, I don't think his, his death was tragic. I, I, I think it was, like, 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 relieving to some people. I would agree you know with, I, mean? I would agree with that. But Pavetta, I know your favorite franchise is the Halloweens, and Halloween four and oh, yeah. five are your favorites. Michael Myers, the personification of evil, the human, like the human form of what evil is. That is what Michael Myers is. What do you love most about four and five compared to the other films in the franchise? Um, uh, Michael Myers actually develops an actual reputation. Mm. Amongst like Haddonfield, I told you, man. Halloween Five, he he is he is in the jail cell. He is he is playing with his chain. Why does <laughs> why don't the cops just take a shotgun to his head and blow his head off? Right there, he's right there. Yeah, no, because that would guarantee that it kills him. You know. I, I read a tweet a, a tweet on Twitter the other day about this about Halloween Five, and they said, "How come they just didn't hold an execution right there and kill him? Just execute mm-hmm. him, yeah. right there, just like what they did with uh, with Jason in uh, Jason Goes to Hell." Yeah, pretty much. Just full on uh, bombing squad. Yeah, but they didn't have at that. Least, at least in Child's Play, the first Child's Play, the mother actually tells the cops, "Shoot him in the heart! Shoot him in the heart!" Because that's the only thing that's going to kill him. Get him in the heart, and then that was until Child's Play Two. He comes, uh, he comes back in in, a form, in the form of another good guy doll. But it's like you you got him right there. You 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 gotta be kidding me. I mean, and also I do love the the uh, Child's Play movies. Too. Oh, those I are like, I, I like mm-hmm. those I are like, great. I like I I personally like Child's Play Two. I love like that one too. One. Yeah. Over the first, wow. Well, was that Tony Todd in the first one? No. Was it that wasn't Tony Todd? No, he wasn't in the first. He wasn't in. No, no. Tony Todd was in uh, the final Destination films. Candyman and the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead, as we will be calling in very soon. But but like but 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 you know the guy I'm talking about, the first child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The voodoo guy, but. 
But like, and that's and that's and, that, and that's such a great scene. Oh, when he stabs the the voodoo doll. Oh, you have a date Chucky's with death. Like, his Chucky's like he's like you should never you should never let people know where you where you keep where you keep your stuff. Yeah. Because oh my goodness. He goes, oh what broken leg? Oh. Uh, <laughs> broken leg. He's oh my goodness. The guy, the, the, the guy who played Charles Lee Ray in that in those movies was brilliant. Brad like, Dorf. His voice was perfect. Oh yeah, his voice was perfect. They were, and you know what? Did you see the remake of Child's Play? Nah, I refuse. I can't. I can't do it. I can't. I said this to Michael Rothman, and when we just had our interview, he just called in. I said, I I can't. I'm a I'm a horror movie purist. I cannot sit down. And watch these remakes. There's certain ones that I will, and which the Rob Zombie remakes. You know, I sat down and watched those, and they're just terrible, god awful. I'll say this: the remake of Friday, of Friday the Thirteenth from from 2009 is not bad. It's not. It's actually pretty good, but be- the only reason why it's not bad is because there's no real big story element to it. It's just Jason killing off more more. Teenagers that are that are useless, like just like it's just a it's just a normal Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, it's, it's the same formula. It's different, and you can't do that with other franchises. Yeah. And I'm, and like I said, Child's Play, Child's Play Two. There's some great, there's some great quotes in that movie. Yeah, I would. I agree with oh. you. How's it hanging, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> oh, when he's on the stairs in the ba- in the basement. Oh my goodness. <sighs> That's a, the, those are great films. I'm trying to think oh, of some other even, ones. Even the third one, even the third one has some has some really um good quotes too. And moments, yeah. Because that little I forget who the little kid is. Not Andy, the <sighs> little one, the the other kid. I forget his name. What, is it Trey? No. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about because he opens the package that was supposed to be sent to he Andy. Opens the box and yeah. he goes, Where's the, who are you? Where's the Andy? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, can't, can't you read? This package was supposed to go to him. Yeah. He goes, he goes, tampering with the mail is a federal offense. Exactly. That's the exact lines, Pavetta. You got the dialogue down. <laughs> Same. That I actually like, like I could just go on the whole, the whole screenplay. I can do Jaws. Well, Jaws is very quotable too because you got some famous, not just horror lines, but cinematic lines mm. in that movie. And Jaws was on this right. past weekend on Fear Fest too. Yeah, Jaws. Jaws is kind of a little bit overplayed to me. Like, I, it's 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 a it, it's a classic movie. It's a great movie. It's just I could. I could, you know, live without it. Really? I can't. Jaws is my favorite movie get, of all time. I get more freaked out by the death in Jaws more than any than any slasher film for some reason. Probably because like like a shark attack is like that like that can actually happen. Mm. Like you know what I mean? Like I get more like scared from that. The Ben Gardner jump scare is very scary too. Oh, yeah, with, like, the one eye. Yeah, under the boat. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was very scary. 
that one when I first saw Richard, it. Richard but, Dreyfuss is very good in that movie. As Hooper. Richard Dreyfuss is a great... Richard Dreyfuss, just, like, overall, is a very good actor, by the way. He is. He is. Robert Shaw and Roy Scheider, of course, as well. Great actors. They nailed those actors for those roles. They picked mm-hmm. those out perfectly. Imagine oh, Jaws yeah. with different actors. You can't. <laughs> no, yeah, the, I agree with that completely. You know what I mean? You can't imagine someone else playing Quint or Chief Brody or Hooper. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. Because they all have such iconic lines, and they did such well, uh, such a good job with their roles. They it's kind of like how you can't imagine uh, the Candyman without Tony Todd. Yeah, you can't. It's just like like with uh, with Jason with uh, uh, Michael maybe, Myers, maybe Freddy. No, I don't think. Nah, yeah, I, that's kind of shaky because they changed Freddy up a couple times, and that was like, uh, yeah. And then, Robert England is Freddy and Michael because like you can you can change them up all you want because just like it's it, a mask, mask exactly. And even then, they change the face under the mask yeah. anyway. Same so, with Doug Bradley for Pinhead. There's only oh, yeah. one Pinhead. There's only one Pinhead, and there's only one Candyman. Yeah. Uh, except for the remake that's oh, yeah. being made, but, like, you know. I'll tell you this, though. I'll tell you this. There was another movie franchise on tonight on Freeform of all channels. Oh, this is Pavena. Pavena loves these. And that was the and that was the uh, Scream franchise mm-hmm. with Ghostface. The Scream franchise is one of the most perfect horror movies like like ever made like it's really it's really Wes Craven's like like best work it's very uh it's very meta mm. as in it like oh in the horror movie they would do this and this yeah. <laughs> there's literally like lines in the movie that says that and uh it was an interesting dynamics which was kind of one of the first most remarkable movies to do that to, to like to kind of point out the cliches in horror Absolutely, and and of course that the casting was perfect. I loved how they put uh, what's his name. Uh, I think his name is Matthew Lloyd. It's Shaggy from Scooby Doo. <laughs> as um, as um, oh, I do remember Doo. that. Yes, he was incredible. Yeah, he did a and really good is, line. He I, did a really good job playing Stu. Uh, the best part of that movie, I, I told Max, is my favorite line. Is when he's it's literally the end when like you know who the killers are and Stu goes he said we ask you questions and if you get them wrong Wooga! you die <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny um one of, best, one of the best scenes is when they're in the video store with with Jamie Kennedy as um as as, as Randy, Randy Meeks yeah and like he's with Stu. And he tell and he sees Billy over over in the um over in the uh, horror movie the, aisle the the, the the horror section yeah and he goes and he goes if you were the prime suspect of a uh, of a uh, vicious bloodbath would you be standing in the in the in in, in the horror section <laughs> and it's like like those are like it's like those like bits of dialogue are really like amazing I agree and like incredible. Jamie Kennedy was very good in those movies too. Sucks that sucks that they had to kill him off in the second one. Horrible. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't agree with killing him off. It's like killing off Ellie Cornell in Halloween Five. Rachel, she played such a role in Halloween Four, and then they just kill, kill her off in Halloween Five. It's just to increase body count. It really is. Yeah. Like it, 
you gotta be kidding me. But those movies are great. And like, and I told, I told, I told Max this. I said it in the first screen. They are telling you who the killers are in the first 15 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. when they're sitting by the fountain. They are, and 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 they're talking about you when you, uh, what was this? They're basically describing the, the murder. Yeah, they're ba- Sydney asks asks like out loud like, how do you like have like the guts to like to like literally just 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 cut somebody open? Yeah. And then and and then Stu says you well, split them, sternum to sternum or something. Yeah, like some crazy, and it's like, and that's Wes Craven just doing his genius as as a writer. Saying like, this is who this is who did it, but the reason why you don't believe that is because there's still more of the movie to go on. Exactly. But like, like he's he's telling you who did it. And Scream Two, it, I, mm-hmm. the character who played the killer in the end Mickey. of the second, Mickey, Mickey, he's amazing. He was very good. <sighs> he was he's he's in the um, I don't know if you watched. TV show, um, The Office, but he's in that show. Oh, he I is. Know that? Yeah, he's in that show, but he was like a minor character mm-hmm. in The Office. He was in like, I think season five or season four of The Office, but he was only like a minor character. Yeah. I I I, I recognized his face, and I was like, who is this? He guy? was in Dreamcatcher too. Profile. Mm-hmm. He's in Stephen King's Dreamcatcher too. Scream oh, yeah, Three great, was great also action. great too. I I love Scream Three. I love the most how it just wraps right back around to the first one, and that it was the half brother. Mm-hmm. I love how that guy. What's his name? Uh, Warburton. What's his first name? The guy that plays Joe Swanson on Family Guy. You know that voice I'm talking about? You know Joe Peter. Swanson's voice. Yeah, that one, right? Wait, who who did he the, play in Scream Three? He played the bodyguard, the big bodyguard. Oh, the one that gets stabbed in the trailer? The one that, like, when they walk outside, mm-hmm. like, they open the door, and, and they just see him gingerly walking. Oh, he's got a knife collapse. in his back, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I like, I, I like how he's in that movie, too. Mm. His voice is just so recognizable. That was a great film. Scream 3. I, I don't know. What would you say is the best out of the Scream franchise? Is it the first one? First one. The first one. I would say the first one, too. But it, I think it's the best horror franchise through mm-hmm. in and throughout. Oh. Do you know your, do you know your Scream knowledge? What's the, what, what's the, what, is the, what is the third rule apparent, apparent from Randy that, uh. that you should never do? successfully survive a horror movie. Never and say that, never say you'll be right back. You know why? Because you won't be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never. What's funny is they had, they had Stu come out and they go, they go, I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he doesn't survive either. No, that's the thing. That's like, that's just brilliant. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's how you know Wes Craven's a genius. But, I know Halloween Resurrection has been on 
many times on AFC oh, Fear Fest already. And it's oh yeah. And you know what? Can we see Halloween too? And I said this to Michael Rothman before from the Halloween's podcast. Can we see Halloween two or Halloween three season of the witch? Do I really have to be subjected to the Rob Zombie remakes <laughs> and Halloween H two O and Halloween Resurrection? I just hate those. Yeah. I'm I hate H two O. About ratings, I don't know if people are going to sit down to watch the third Halloween, but because there's no because there's no Michael Myers. I think it's a great film, and Georgie, we were talking about this earlier. Halloween three is an underrated film. Oh yeah, it's a very underrated film. The whole storyline of it, Connell mm-hmm. Cochran with the with the masks and the Silver Shamrock Factory. It's such a creative yeah. idea that I would have loved to be see be expanded upon. Like if it was its own series or if Halloween continued onward with that idea or maybe if the series continued with other creative ideas. I feel like by yeah. itself, Season of the Witch would make an excellent movie that I would be interested in. Like I said, I'm very interested myself in the uh, the less lesser known movies like uh, Night of the Creeps, okay. stuff like that. Because um, I, I, I don't know, that's what I grew up on. Uh, it's what I kind of had the, in my collection when I first started getting into horror, and that's what I kind of get nostalgic for. I feel like Season of the Witch kind of has that feeling towards it. So it's an excellent movie, but I guess that's just not what people wanted, which is kind of understandable. People yeah. want to see more slashers. Yeah. Issue is, a lot of the fans just didn't want to see a Halloween movie without Michael Myers. My, my Michael Myers is box office. Like He brings like people to the theaters. He does. That's the thing. That's what it's. But what's interesting, if you guys watch AMC, if you were, if if there's any morning where you're up around like six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock, go and go on to AMC. There they show old time Japanese horror movies that are like fifteen minutes long. That that's and then they're from like. 1950s, 1960s Japan, like wow. And there's crazy movies like Attack of the uh, Bionic Man and stuff like that. Like I don't remember the actual like titles of the movies. You know what they need to show? Like, they need to show the Universal yeah. Monsters. That too. They what gotta show like, those. Turner Classic Movies and stuff like that. All the Vincent Price ones too. You cannot acknowledge the great Vincent Price, and I, you know, you just gotta bring him up in this show. Because of what he did for the horror genre. Just what he did, you know? Mm. The most iconic voice in horror, in my opinion. Uh, All right, well, Max, I'm probably going to have to split. All right, Pavena, I appreciate you calling in. What will you be doing this Halloween? You're just going to be, you know, just watching the Halloween films on Fear Fest? Well, there is a uh, a, uh, wrestling pay-per-view going on during the day, so I'll be watching that. But... I'm going to try to indulge as much Michael Myers as I can. It's probably going to be the only time they'll show Halloween 3, which I find really upsetting. No, no, they're not showing it this year. I checked the schedule. They're not? They're not showing 2 or 3. I'm very upset. It's going to be Halloween, Halloween 4, Halloween 5, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, H2O, and Resurrection. Yeah, they're going to show a Resurrection, and then they're going to show the Rob Zombie remakes, which is great. You know, I would have loved to have seen Halloween 2 and 3 this year. Unbelievable. It would have been nice. Well, at at least they'll be 4 and 5. Yeah, at least they'll be 4 and 5, but I love Halloween 2 and 3, but we won't be seeing those this year. 
right. All right, Pavena, well, I appreciate thank, thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. Yes, Pavena, you already know. It, we're part of the Conspiracies, Crimes, and Curses podcast. We have a new episode up, The Haunting of Dreamhouse. Very scary story, which we dissected on the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at CX3Podcast. You can follow Tony Paventa on Instagram. Give him your socials. At T-A-N-O-O-C-H-9-6. That's right, T-A-N-O-O-C-H-9-6. You know where to follow him. And Georgie, we will be wrapping up, and then Tony Todd will be calling in. So, Paventa, I want to thank you again, and have a good Halloween, all right? Thank you, guys. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the enjoy the remainder of Fear Fest. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try, Pavetta. We'll try, all right? All right, you have a good have night. Have a night, guys. You too. See you. And, Georgie, what will you be doing this Halloween? Um, well, uh, I'm doing I'm your not, show, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm having my show on Halloween. That's crazy, though. Yeah. Like, Halloween night, too. That's, wow. What good timing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of parties going on that night, too, so I want to be missing out on a couple of things. But, I mean, like, ah, it's the show. Yeah. I got to do it. And um, I, I've, there's going to be a lot of fun activities on campus as well on Halloween. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going back home. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> back home. I'm going back home. I got to watch my horror movies. I'm you got to watch your be, horror movies. Be tuned out. Anything yeah. school-related, radio station-related, it's just me on the couch with a bowl of popcorn. Just enjoying some, yourself with the horror and movies. And some chocolate dude. and Skittles. That's it. I don't care about anything else. You know, we'll we'll see what goes on, you know, the day before or after. But Halloween night, I'm sitting right there, maybe ordering a pizza and just sitting there with my bowl of popcorn and some candy. That's it. I'd love to go to a good haunted house because if <sighs> there's one thing I love just as much as of horror movies, it, it's a good haunted house. Except for those are very rare to come by. <laughs> Those are very rare. There was uh, there was one on campus today, which I got to admire the effort. And they had a haunted house free, here on campus, yeah, like for a free thing. It was just like one guy in a wolfman costume. Are you kidding? How lame? Uh, it, it was. Uh, Where was it? In front of Ma- effort, was it by Monty's? Like, he he followed us, like uh, the three of us. I think I went with Emily and one other girl, and we went in there, and it, it was him. He was the guy who like let us in too and you could you could tell that it was him because it had like he had the wolf mask and the oh, full yeah. costume on but he had the wolf yeah. mask like in his hand and then as we walked in you could see him putting it on and it's like yeah dude you're not gonna scare us <laughs> but you gotta admire the effort because it was like a small tent that they probably rented and honestly i respect that yep. i honestly do respect that they at least made an effort to make um to make a haunted house despite probably it not making much sense yeah. but i get you I respect that. I mean, uh, so far, the best haunted house that I've been to is um, upstate, I believe. Um, it's a place called uh, the Headless Horseman. Okay. Uh, haunted Hayrides or something like that. It's pretty interesting. Uh, their merch sucks, though. It does? Yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean... Is this a Sleepy Hollow? Uh, no, not Sleepy Hollow. Okay. Um, oh, wait, me. It might be. Is it a Sleepy Hollow? I'm not sure myself. I think that there's a... There's a different uh oh it actually might be at sleepy hollow i have absolutely no idea because i used to i go to this thing often horseman's hollow a few years back i used to go to that a lot i haven't been within the past two years but but it was it was very interesting like it started off with a hayride and stuff like that not enough horseman though honestly uh five out of ten not enough horseman will not return but i mean (laughs) uh i did i did 
decently enjoy it. I thought the hayride part was very interesting. I didn't see that before, and it was decently scary. I got scared a couple times, okay. which is really good. Um, and then when you got to the end, there was about six or 11. Well, I mean, there was one group of them that was like a bunch of shorter ones just jumbled together, and that was like six of them. Which was great. It was like a melody, and it was really good. There's like a there's a clowns, of course, all that kind of stuff. The creepy clowns, can't like forget the, those. The bright neon lights and stuff like that, and the people with like the that are in all black. You know, that's in every single haunted house. Yeah, it really is. But I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I got scared a couple of times, and it was it was well funded and stuff. Um, and I did it relatively early too. I did it in November because I, I doubt you're probably gonna be able to do it in yeah. October. But I, I I always love I love Halloween more than yeah. any other holiday. season or holiday. I agree. I'm a Halloween it's guy. So it's so entertaining and honestly, you know what? With Christmas, I don't. It's just a depressing time for me. Christmas. I don't know why. It's cold out. It's cold you know, out. Yeah, yeah, you get to spend time with family. Yeah, yeah you that's to buy stuff for people. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Halloween, you know, I have this month long thrill which i'm always in the halloween move all year round yeah it doesn't gotta be just on in october i'm always watching horror movies and you know it's i always look towards halloween as my favorite part of it's a whole month celebration for me yes because you can just watch horror movies and they're actually on tv i was getting excited in november like yeah late november like uh, it was like november 25th and i'm like i'm already spooky let's get this come on oh for halloween yeah wait, i was September so excited or, uh, november november i was already excited for oh this past november oh, oh wait <laughs> Are you talking about September? Yeah, I'm talking about September. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm tired. I yeah. I think I got um six hours of sleep last night, and oh. I've just been chugging through on pure Dr Pepper. Oh. So uh, I'm not doing too hot, but I'm gonna try my best. Well, we'll be having Tony Todd calling in in about two minutes here, and me and Georgie will be back to you to close out the show. So stay tuned here, WSJU Radio. St. John's University, Queens, New York, The Voice, DJ Mad Max, 9.25 p.m.
WSJU Radio. This is DJ Mad Max on air here for a very special October show. And we have a legend calling in here from the phone lines who's been in lots and dozens of movies over the years. He's been in Platoon, Night of Living Dead from 1990, Candyman films, The Crow, Final Destination, The Hatchet films, and even Transformers. And the legend's name is Tony Todd. How are you doing today, Tony? Hey, what's up, Mad Max? How are you, man? <laughs> I'm good, man. It's an honor to have you call in. I grew up just watching all the Candyman films, big horror movie buff. And awesome. I, I, it's just great to even have, be speaking with you on the phone lines. I never thought that this would happen, but I reached out, and hey. it's a blessing. You see what happens when you sometimes just ask somebody at the right time, right place, miracles can occur, folks. Yep, for sure, and it was a, it's a blessing to have you. Man, here. you're 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 a Connecticut native, which is great, or yeah. at least a Connecticut resident. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was resident, I was hey? I was born in Norwalk, and living, okay. living here and ever since. And I know you were born in Washington D.C. and you grew up in Hartford. I grew up, I came to Hyper, Connecticut when I was three years old. I was rescued by my aunt from uh, sort of a troubled early childhood, and she put me on the path to, to uh, graciousness and glory. Wow. What else would... Everything I do is in her honor. Aunt Clara, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful woman. Every person needs to have somebody, some adult in their life that encourages every decision that they try to do and takes them off the path when they get disrailed. So here's to here's to our elders. Yes. And I could say for the same for my mom who's put me in the right path and just keep working hard and she's inspired me and, and just helped me out throughout my life. And like you said, it's important to just honor those people who help you out in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Friends and family, and sometimes even the, the minor acquaintances that you stumble across. Everybody is a is a bridge to another path. Of course. But enough platitudes. Mm. Let's get down to business. <laughs> now, what made you decide to attend the University of Connecticut? Well, you know, um, I was, uh, they had me on an academic path, you know, mm -hmm. I think they were grooming me to either be a lawyer or uh, maybe even a politician. I was actually approached uh, in middle school by uh, a government agency, and they wanted me to investigate being a linguist. Mm -hmm. But I, um, you know, I found art when I was in high school, and uh and theater specifically, and uh, once I did that, once I was able to see or achieve the recognition of my peers, most of which were on the football or basketball team, and I wasn't a man, I had a growth spurt, you know, and I was just totally uncoordinated, but when it came to theater and the arts, it was like there were no roadblocks. And uh, when it came time to graduate high school, UConn, so that kind of messed up in my senior year because I was just only interested in theater. No more algebra, no more geometry, <laughs> no more <laughs> trigonometry. I just wanted to do what, you know, moved me. That made me, uh, it gave me pleasure and also gave me a window as, an, as a young African-American, you know, this is, I, I didn't want to do the, the negative roots and, uh, and uh, art 
ways. Mm. So UConn was it, but I only stayed there for a year. Well, technically, academically for a year, and I hung around the campus up in Storage, Connecticut, for about two years past that. And then I finally got a scholarship to Gene O'Neill Theater Center in Waterford, Connecticut. And any aspiring people out there, it is a great place to start. They give you, they throw you into fencing lessons at five in the morning, every morning. <laughs> and they give you great breakfast. And for the next 10 hours, you're working with seasoned professionals. And uh, it just, and then from there, I got a scholarship to Trinity Rep in Providence, where I spent seven years getting my master's. And, mm. uh, you know, that was it. And then, well, not quite it, but that was, <laughs> that was it academically. And then you moved on to act on Broadway. What was that experience like for you? And what were some of your well, favorite roles? Well, it was roles? a little bit, yeah. Uh, well, well, I did Aida on Broadway, the mm-hmm. Elton John musical. And I was also working with August Wilson, one of the greatest African-American dramatists of our generation. He's gone now, but I originated King Edward II, which had Max Roach as our musical director. And to look over and see Max the infamous Max Roach, who played with Miles Davis, sitting in our rehearsals, just like rhythmically moving and acknowledgement and, uh, and and pleasure, it was just amazing. So, regional theater, theater is where it's at. I love film, I love TV, but theater really rocks my soul. Mm. And was maybe there... because in another life I would have been a musician, but uh, I got caught a lot of great musicians and friends of mine. It all it all evens out. And you you just told me that you would have been a musician in another career. What genre of music would yeah. you have dived into? Jazz, blues. Um, you know, I have a guitar that I mess around with that I pick up from time to time. But yeah, just music, man. Music is the eternal language, no matter what country you're from. If it's good stuff, people gravitate to it, and you you know you feed their souls. I just saw one of the hippest documentaries I've seen in quite some time, which is Miles Davis' Birth of the Cool. If you're a jazz fan, if you love the legacy of Miles Davis, if you want to see, spend two hours trying to figure out what made him tick and the perfectionist that he was, and the flaws. You know, every great person has a flaw too. Uh, but, you know, legacy is what counts. Mm. Miles Davis Miles is definitely Davis, a legend. Birth of the cool. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I got to see him once. Uh, there used to be a club up in Yukon, uh, up in Collin, called Shibu Inn. And it was around for 10 years, so it mysteriously burned down one night, you know, as it goes in Connecticut. But they brought in everybody, Bobby Blue Bland, uh, Miles Davis, Bobby Womack, uh, Santana, and it was only five dollars to get in, which is about all I could afford on a college, <laughs> on a college uh, stipend. <laughs> so, those were some of my performing jobs. Favorite Miles Davis record, if you had to choose, what would it be? Uh, it's a toss-up between So What mm-hmm. or Kind of Blue, Kind of Blue, or epic. Bitches Brew. Yep. Bitches Brew. Yeah, that's those are both those are all iconic, and I recently started getting into jazz because I took a jazz music class for my DNY class, and I went to this cafe in New York called the Blue Note Jazz Club. And oh yeah, it's a good good place. Oh, yeah. Little 
it's a good place. They get into top acts, but some of the better jazz is at a place called Smalls, which mm-hmm. is on Seventh uh, and and Tenth, Seventh uh, Avenue and Tenth Street. Uh, it's a little basement joint. Have you been there? No, I'm definitely have to check it out though. What, yeah, what makes that unique? First of all, it's free after midnight. And you got all the students from all the great schools in New York, Juliet, NYU, et cetera, et cetera, St. John's. And they come there and they and they blow the classics, man. And there's nothing like it. That's definitely going to have to check that out very soon. Check it out. Yeah, there's other places. Village Vanguard, you know, that's the history of New York. And that, they explore that in Birth of the Cool. At one point in the late 50s, early 60s, on 52nd Street, there was literally 33 blues jazz joints lining the blocks between six it was amazing can you imagine that being able to just hop from one place to the other with the hips of the hip okay sharing the tonalities awesome that's epic and yeah i want to ask you about uh epic records (laughs) yeah sure and after broadway how did you transition into film Actually, I had only been doing regional theater and uh, off-Broadway stuff in New York mm-hmm. uh, before I got my first film, which was Platoon. And it was because I was doing a one-man show called Johnny Got His Gun, written by the late, great, uh, somewhat communist Dalton Trumbull. And uh, Oliver Stone's people caught wind of it. And next thing you know, I'm in the Philippines making my first film, which ended up winning four Academy Awards. So it was a great start and uh and once that hit and came out and received the accolades it did we were all placed on a very short list mm-hmm. so that's sort of how everything just fell into place what was your I experience Broadway after from working with oliver stone um how can i put it uh another well it was my first film, so I had nothing else to judge by, but mm-hmm. he was such a perfectionist and a great taskmaster in the best way possible. He only wanted to get the best from everybody uh, that he cast. I remember the first day we shot, after we had spent three and a half weeks doing a boot camp, fake boot camp, but it was real to us. Um, they airdropped Budweiser beer for us at like know, one in the morning or something like that. And then Oliver switched the tables on us and said, okay, we're going to take our first shot. Six in the morning, everybody had been smashed drunk. <laughs> and there's a shot in platoon where we're just, just on a steady march through the bush, through the jungle. And that was that moment. So, And I remember he yelled at me, the very first shot that was ever done. I was so enthusiastic, so gun-ho, that I guess I was jumping from rock to rock. And he said, slow down, Errol Flynn. <laughs> Let's keep it real. This is Vietnam, not Robin Hood. Uh-huh. So that was uh, it was a good gerrymandering. Oh man, and quite an quite a lesson on you know film is film is very subtle. The camera sees everything, so you don't have to you don't have to push anything. And it takes a while for a young actor to realize that, particularly mm-hmm. in film. Uh, just if you feel it and you see it and you believe it, the camera gets it. And I've seen you in great in many interviews. You said that you didn't originally you didn't want to get into the horror genre. How come? 
Um, no, it wasn't that I didn't want to get into the horror genre. It's just I grew up watching all kinds of films. Man. Oh. I'm a huge film noir buff, you know, Billy Wilder, Alfred Hitchcock, Wild Wash. Those are my heroes. And I just sort of saw myself, uh, you know, doing... Not that horror isn't classic. There certainly are some classic films, mm-hmm. but there's a whole there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of caca in those in some some films. Yeah. You know? And I just wanted I wanted to keep it true. The horror just it just happened. It was a luck of the draw, and it just happened. And I think my first experience was Night Living Dead, uh, Tom Savini's remake, which is a great entry in the horror mm-hmm. genre. So. It's happened to that. But some of the scripts I get sent, man, I can't get past 10, 15 pages. <laughs> if, it, if it all starts in the woods and it all involves teenagers running for their lives, I'm just not interested. Yeah, that tends to be a repetitive script in a lot of the slashers from the 80s movies. And which brings me to my next question. What was it like to play Ben in the 1990 remake of George A. Romero's Night of Living Dead? Formerly played by it Dwayne Jones. Originally played by the great Dwayne Jones. Yeah. Who uh, actually, I think he didn't he have a teaching assignment. It was either at St. John's. No, it was at the uh, City College. Yeah, that's he was right. Teaching yep. up at City College. And uh, so I was aware of him through circles. And I was actually in Pittsburgh working on a film with Forrest Whitaker and uh, Rosie Perez called Criminal Justice. And we had been filming, and Forrest was one of Kenny. He said, "Hey, man, you know they're filming a remake of Night Living Dead, and you, you, you look like you're part of Dwayne Jones' tribe. How come you're not doing this?" And the day, <laughs> next day off I had, which was a Saturday, I tracked down the production office and went over there, and I saw Tom sneaking around the corner doing one of his magical special effects moments. Listen, and he says, "No, no, I think I got it. It's all. I think it's all set." And he'll verify this. I grabbed him by the lapels, sat him down, <laughs> and just went on a riff. You know, just did a just did a stone call cold uh, monologue. Next thing you know, Monday I had the job. So also I actually had a choice between that or another film that was a huge hit that dealt with uh, the drug world and you know, the newborn son. And for his first film to look back on, I, I preferred being a hero, whether it was in a horror film or not. And I had a great cast, Bill Mosley, myself, Patricia Tallman, uh, William Butler, who was fantastic. Katie Finneran, who also has gone on to have an astounding Broadway career. And Tom Savini at the helm. And the late, great Tom Tolles, who's Harry was so good that I couldn't be Ben without his being as despicable or hairy as he could be. Mm. And what was it like to work with George A. Romero and Tom Savini as well? Well, George George was a constant presence. He was there. You know, this was his baby. You know, unfortunately, when he did the original Night Living Dead, they were young filmmakers, and they didn't understand anything about distribution and stuff, and they gave away their rights, which is one reason why Night Living Dead has been they've attempted to duplicate it so many times because they don't have to pay rights. Mm. Uh, so the color version was his and uh, John Russo and uh, Russ Steiner's thing that they had been working. So he had a very hands-on presence and Tom was his special effects guy anyway. So they 
they knew each other, and they just trusted the cast and the zombies that came from miles around to be in the movie, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we got it done. It was a great cast and a great crew. I think that was maybe my uh, fourth film or so. I had done some TV uh, before that, but it was, it was only my fourth film. And the rest is history. Well, certainly within the horror uh, uh, world. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, no matter how bad some horror films could be, Horrorlands are some of the best, most dedicated, ravenous, bloodthirsty uh, fan base on the planet. Oh, yeah. So that, I respect them. It's allowed me to do con work. Uh, One of the best things for me when I do cons is seeing all the wonderful fan art people come up to me over my table. You look at my IG page, Tony Todd Official, you'll see some of that stuff. I'm currently working on my autobiography that's not going to be ghostwritten. Oh, it's wow. It's going to be done by me, and I'm working collaborating with a wonderful filmmaker, Gregory um, uh, Von Hess, who's a teacher up in the Bronx. I've done some master classes for him. It's going to be great. We're going to do a, uh, a virtual reality kind of presentation. But the centerpiece is going to be pictures and memories of all the fan art that I've been presented with. And there's over a thousand to choose from. So I'm going to pick the best of the best. And I uh, give the people that buy the book or read the book an experience. And, and as an African-American, just navigating through the cinematic universe and, and a business that, you know, we're told only one in a thousand can make it. And uh, I've been blessed and fortunate. And when can we expect the autobiography? It's going to be interactive. It's going to have uh, clips and memories. I'm breaking it up into cities that I've either worked in or visited to. I think I've been to every state in this country except for Wyoming. Wow. Uh, and that just puts the feet down. So, like, every, you know, I just want to show the path and the journey of an African-American artist in contemporary America mm -hmm. uh, through the political minefields, through social changes, through what it's done for me and hopefully serves as an inspiration to people that come after me. And getting into Candyman, I believe you were abroad at the time when you were called to play Candyman. Is that right? Well, I had just gotten back from my first uh, trip slash film in Africa. I was mm -hmm. in Nairobi doing a film called The Last Elephant, which had Isabella Rossellini, John Lithgow, and the great James Earl Jones, who served as an early mentor to me. And uh, I had gotten in back home two weeks, and I get a call from my manager at the time, uh, not the legendary Jeff Goldberg, who has been my manager now for 25 years. But uh, they called and said, there's this film, the director wants to see you, it's called Candyman. And I hung up, I thought they were joking. I thought <laughs> it was uh, perhaps a Sammy Davis Jr. reflection. Um, but then they called back and said, no, 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 we're serious. So I met Bernard Rose, a uh, mad Englishman who had the genius to transpose Clyde Barker's Book of the Forbidden, uh, the Forbidden Story and transposing it into Chicago, you know, in the city turmoil. And uh, 
and I'll tell you, you know, Candyman is definitely probably what I'm most known for in the horror community. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a long time, people would come up to me and they would say, oh, you know, he's scared that Jesus is not me. Uh, and I would ask them, well, how old were you when you saw it? And the average age is about seven. <laughs> and I said, oh, man, we didn't make a movie for kids. Bernard calmed me down. He said, anybody who's seen this film when they were a child is going to remember it for the rest of their lives. And he was right. Yeah, for sure. I remember it. And then here we are now on the precipice of the uh, Jordan Peele uh, produced and written uh, new film that drops on June 12, 2020, which happens to be my Aunt Clara's birthday. So... I know there's a spiritual connection. Wow. And you're going to be in the film yeah. too, right? Uh, you know what? The official line is no comment. Okay. None, zip, <laughs> nada, no comment for all the bean counters and business repairs people everywhere. I know nothing. I know nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I want to get. I can't get it out of me. I know nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. I want to get into your scenes with the bees, and how did you mentally prepare for the scenes with the bees, and if so, how? Okay. A, we had a wonderful bee wrangler named Norm Norman Gary. I didn't even know there was such a job. But this man loved bees. He had appeared on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, playing the saxophone covered with bees. Hmm. Um, when I read, when I first read the script, I knew that those scenes of bees coming from his mouth and his chest cavity was something that hadn't been seen before. And this was a chance to tap into something that, you know, a once in a, in a cinematic lifetime moment. Uh, so I just had to, you know, I was a weird kid. I was an only kid. So I actually had studied hypnotism when I was like 13. I was an amateur magician. I used to put anybody that would willingly volunteer into a trance. So I knew things about, you know, creative visualization and astral projection and how to take myself out of the physical moment and suspend time. I know that sounds strange, but that's what I did. And uh, and just enjoyed it. Fortunately, we only got 26 things in the course of the first three films. And, uh, you know. And, and and it paid off. Yeah. And I got compensated for everything. So I think it was I read that it was a thousand dollars per sting, right? Yeah, which I don't know what that translates to in today's economy, but mm. it was uh, it felt clear at the time. Mm. Now, what do you love most about the Candyman role and playing it? Um, that he's an African American horror icon. Mm-hmm. That is what stood the test of time. Not the first. You know, we had Blackula. We even had a, uh, with the late, great Samuelis. Um, but it was just different. And, and and I thought it was genius that it took place in the Cabrini Green, which is now torn down and gentrified. And, uh, you know, I just, I just wanted to make a film that, uh, to be honest, that young African-Americans could, uh, to champion and say, oh, there we are. We're not, we're not, you know, sometimes African-Americans and Latin actors have been a horror film, you know, they're going to die within, you know, mm-hmm. 10 minutes. This one, was, we're going to be in it from frame one to frame 
single closing frame. Mm. So I just felt it was part of an historical uh, moment. We did have some problems before it was even shot by the NAACP that were concerned about a, uh, you know, uh, a black boogeyman, but that's not what we were doing. Really? And they finally came around, yeah, yeah, you know, hey, being counted, what can I say? Which is maybe why I've never won an NAACP Image Award. <laughs> wow, I never even <laughs> Some knew people that. never forget. Yeah, it was kind of weird, but uh, they, they, they passed off. I didn't know we had to ask permission, but I guess Bernard gave them an audience, and we went on, and we did our thing. You know, but so many things were right about that production. We had Tony Richmond doing the, was the DP who had shot uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth. Virginia Madsen, the luminous beauty that she is, and she made everything easy for me. Bernard, uh, Leonard, who did the, the iconic costume. Uh, you had Philip Glass's music, which is a haunting way to start it. And you had the city of Chicago, which is one of my favorite cities, as a backdrop. And then we shot all the studio stuff at the famous Charlie Chaplin Theater here in Hollywood on Occidental Boulevard. Wow. So I remember all of it like it was yesterday and all of these things and all of these stories and all of my recollections, hopefully told in a new and refreshing way, will be part of the biography, autobiography. I'm looking forward to that, too. Yeah, but the bees were, you know, I remember three days before we shot Norman, the bees actually had their own trailer. Wow, <laughs> really? Said, Norman, how many bees? And he says, ah, he may have been joking. He said, close to a million. And I turned and I walked away. He says, no, Tony, they're, they're your acting partner. So I want you to get used to him. And he and I walked into the trailer. I've never seen anything like it. We were swarmed. Oh. Uh, but they were baby bees, and they hadn't developed stingers yet. So he calmed me down with that. And just, and then he he was such a, uh, uh, I don't want to say the word weird because that sounds negative. He loved what he did so much mm -hmm. that he went around and started saying, and that's Harry over there. There's George. There's Sydney. I mean, <laughs> we're in a trailer with fucking thousand bees were swirling around us, and he claimed he knew their names. Wow. But it was a way of off-putting the, you know, the obvious uh, trepidation. And I heard, and I saw in an interview too that they put something in your throat when they were in your mouth too, right? Yeah, they had to put a dental dam in to prevent them. You know, I'm a foodie, but I didn't, I've never had it a real, a roasted bee in my life, so <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get anything inside. But they were certainly, and they also painted me with phenarone which is the queen bee essence stuff that keeps the drones excited and happy. So they were like little crackheads swirling around my body. <laughs> and Candyman is also referenced in hip-hop now that you're on the show for sports and hip-hop. Uh, Tupac in Troublesome yeah. 96 says, say my name three times like That's Candyman. Right. And Wu-Tang's uh -huh. Method Man in Vision says, uh, all in together now, follow me, the Mr. Meth Candyman, farewell to the flesh. Awesome. And what what's it awesome. like to have your I, character mentioned in notable hip hop songs? Ah, uh, dude, that's like a badge of honor. Now the Wu, tell me the Wu Tang one again. Mm -hmm. I know what you said was Method Man. Yeah. What was the song? It was called Visions. Visions. Okay, I'm gonna drop that. You know, I do a lot of Spotify dropping on my Twitter timeline, so I got to put that down. Oh Tupac yeah. Tupac, I was aware of. 
And then I think there's a hip hop artist also named Candyman. So yeah, that's those right. Those are the biggest. Those those are the biggest uh, forms of acceptance and uh, you know just platitudes possible. You know to cross into that to get that. And you know, not a day. Even though the film, the original film, is 25 years old, not a day goes by where I'm not somewhere a grocery store at a baseball game with people acknowledging. So that's the greatest testament of all. Mm. But our vision is I got to check that out. Yeah, for and sure. And is it under Wu-Tang Clan or is it a, a Method Man? Huh? It's under Wu-Tang Clan. It's on the Wu-Tang Forever okay. album. Yep. Awesome. Thank Gr- you. Great song. Awesome. awesome. I'm going to check that out immediately. Mm-hmm. And I also want to... Thank wanna... you, Wu-Tang Clan. They got the new documentary out as well. Yeah, right? I saw that. I have to check that How out. How was it? No, I haven't seen it yet. I just saw that I heard. Oh, you about, haven't yeah. seen it? No, I want I want to watch yeah. it though. One of my favorite yeah, groups of all time. Absolutely. And I also want to get into your role. Tupac roles. is one of my favorites. Oh, Tupac! Yeah, he's he's a legend. I think I think he's the greatest of all time as a rapper, especially what he did. I, I I would not, I I would concur. Especially when he did what? What were you gonna say? Oh, especially what he did for the hip hop culture. He's just oh, like, iconic. Dude, you know, yeah, you know, except for those a few missteps at the end of his life. But other than that, <laughs> was, I mean, he's up. him and Biggie, man, I mean, the reasons for their feuds were deep and mysterious. But they were like, the fact that they existed at the same time and that they're both gone in similar ways is just mind-blowing. And neither one, neither of the cases has ever been solved, okay? Uh no, it, it's sad too. I'm, I, I just want to know before my life is over what really happened there. But I don't know if I'll ever know. It's always. I don't think we'll know, man. Yeah, I no. mean, I, you know, I, can we say cover up? But it's all good. Yeah. Some more <laughs> hip hop conspiracies. Oh man, and oh, but like I was gonna bring up before, I also wanted to get in your role in Final Destination. Your delivery in that scene mm-hmm. in the morgue is. The coroner was was some of the best delivery that I've ever seen in a movie, and it, it was just bone chilling. Wow! And you remind me a lot of Vincent Price, just the voice. Almost. That's interesting. Yeah, the, the, okay. the voice comparison. I wish I wish Michael had asked me to be in Thriller. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that if there was that to be put, that would have put the icing on the cake. Oh. Hello. <laughs> yeah. I said that. I said if someone were to remake Thriller in today's age, they got to call you up for it. Well, we get calls. We get we get very interesting calls. So we, you know, we we haven't disappeared, which is wonderful. And uh, right now, I got heat guns in the can. That's all oh. set. Um, and uh, the phone is always ringing, and I'm about to sign a deal soon. Uh, probably this is going to air in October. So by the time this airs, it should probably have been announced. But it's a major major uh tv gig oh but not traditional tv just uh it's gonna be uh, yeah i can't really say much more but uh look for it mm-hmm. i i saw something Maybe on an when, interview it was it was i think you were talking about a reality show or something like that it's it's reality based mm-hmm. yes but it's not you know no screaming housewives and no 
paranormal machine. You know, we're going to be investigating real shit. Matter of fact, have you ever heard of a, there's an area, a city in Connecticut, I think it's called Darby Town? Yeah, I have, yeah. I've heard, it's like an abandoned town, and it's, you're not allowed in there. You're not allowed, and you're not allowed to take anything from there, yeah. anywhere. So that's one of the places we're visiting, as well as the suicide forest in Japan. But I'm saying too much. <laughs> but trust me, it's gonna be it's gonna be Anthony Bourdain was a personal hero of mine. It's gonna be that quality mm. with uh, some original music and uh just every episode is gonna be a completely new place. And it's gonna work out with my schedule because it's gonna be two weeks shooting and, and traveling and then two weeks off. Mm. So and then if I have a film that comes up they're going to work with me and depending I'm going to be producing and hopefully if it's successful it's going to lead to other uh, the kind of reality shows I want to see yeah. right. I'm going to be looking forward to that yeah one of them is a, a tentative show called Upstate which is just going to focus on the culture of uh, cover bands you know small groups in upstate New York that play every weekend and just following them around, why people enjoy live music, um, you know, what what are musicians' real lives like. You know, I got to hang out with a lot of blues musicians in Chicago, and even though, you know, Buddy Guy owns his own club now, it's very successful, you know, but at the end of the night, they got to have chicken wings somewhere, and they got to they gotta decompress. So I just want to tap into that energy, mm. you know? All of America loves to sing and dance, right? Yeah. And be moved. So, so I gave away a lot of clues there. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. it. Out. <laughs> I'll be on the lookout, yeah, especially on Darby your... Town, man. Oh yeah, I've heard. I've been looking into that for years, and just it's it's just very eerie, especially the stories I hear yeah. for people tell when they've came back there. It's just uh-huh. it's just not a great place to visit. Yeah, well, I'm gonna. Part of my team is gonna have a spiritual advisor, so mm-hmm. we gotta make sure that we're cleansed before we go and before we leave. And uh, you know, the great security team. It's just gonna be awesome. Great. Think of me as a horror psychologist. <laughs> and as we all know, we'll be been in development for a year now, so we're we're really close to when probably start. Uh, shooting in October. Great. And, and this will probably air the following year then, right? No, it'll probably, I think it'll probably drop by the end of the year. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And now, I'm and then the voiceover world, which is something, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Oh, no, it's fine. Go ahead. It, it, you, you, The floor is yours. Trust voice- me. Yeah, the voiceover world has really been exploding lately. You know, that's one of the hardest areas to crack and to get into in the whole entertainment world. Probably because everybody's realized how lucrative it is, and you know, the A-listers all want to do it. You'll never see me in a in a cartoon, let's say. Although when my kids are little, I wanted all they watch is Disney films, and I try my best to get one of those. I saw that in an interview. You always wanted to be in a Disney film. Yeah, why? Because of my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, they were young. They, the films I was doing, I wouldn't let them watch. Uh, uh, in spite of all those seven-year-olds that snuck in to see Candyman. Uh, <laughs> you know, 
my kids did other things. But uh, so then finally I got Transformers, and and I told this in interviews, but I called my daughter. I was so excited. And she says, Dad, when are you going to grow up? And I said to her, never. <laughs> I'm that little black kid growing up near the closet that I was when I was seven. <laughs> and I also wanted to get into your Hatchet films, and you played the role of Reverend Zombie. Sure. Uh, what was it like working mm-hmm. with Kane Hodder? Kane is a good friend of mine. We've known each other for years. I think we've done maybe six things together. Wow. Uh, but it was Adam Green who brought us all together. And apparently Victor Crowley was a story he started working on when he was either eight or ten. And and I remember he was a fan first. And I remember meeting him at a Pangoria convention in Hollywood. Wanted to meet you. We sat and talked about 45 minutes told me all the stuff he loved and he assured me that he was going to be a filmmaker. I'm an optimist and I tried to encourage people and I said, well, I guess I'll see you on set. And it took years later, I get a call and, uh, and I was in the first one and ended up being in, uh, in one and two. And it was his energy, his love of the genre, his uh, joy of life that like made that set Infectious and fun, and created a new uh, mythological creature for horror fans. Mm-hmm. I met Kane Hodder a few Tom. times too. He was at uh, Count Orlock's Nightmare Gallery in Salem, Massachusetts. He's a good guy, though. Yeah, is he there? What? That's where you met him, or is that? Where yeah, I met him at uh, Count Orlock's in Salem, Massachusetts. You signed. Okay, I've never been signed. to that. Never been to that one. Mm. And you know what else is haunted a little bit is Lake Compound in Bristol. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know about that. Yeah. I never been to yeah, Lake Compound. When I was a kid, I had been there once as a kid. I remember not liking it. I didn't know why. Um, but do you remember? You may be too young. There used to be a park up in Agawam, Massachusetts, called Riverside Park. Um, which no. is now Six Flags. Never okay, they had an old old wooden roller coaster called the Thunderbolt, man. I used the sound. It was like, you know, forget all these super roller coasters you got now that you zip around and you twirl you around. This one was the sound of those chains climbing up to the top and then whoosh, and you could swear that the place was going to like break. <laughs> the roller coaster was going to break and sounded creaky and stuff. And I, I heard, unfortunately, that they finally tore it down like two years ago been around for like 50 years wow but you know things change Are, do you fish by any chance no I, I never I never was in the fishing for some reason do you fish or oh man. yeah when yeah. I was a kid my whole time in Connecticut there's over 100 lakes in Connecticut I think I, I must have fished in 99 of them and there's nothing like going to a bait shop man with your friends making some sandwiches having a six pack of beer getting on a rowboat or motorboat if you get that and just spending the day in the sunshine, man. Mm. Nothing like it. Yeah, I, I, was, it. I was never, I never got into fishing for some reason. My stepfather is a huge fisher. Huge. I think you might like it. Yeah. It's I'll, very rhythmic, you know, it, it, and you never know how the experience is going to end or how the song is going to end. Mm. You're in the moment. It's definitely relaxing, uh, too. I recommend it. It's nice. It's, yeah, so I was just going to say that. It's calming. It's peaceful. 
you know, those those are the things I miss about New England. And the Four Seasons and the leaves changing. I used to hang out with hang out in uh, Vermont and New Hampshire a lot. You mm. know, all that and <laughs> live music and Toad's Place in New Haven. Oh, Toad's you know? Place. Oh, that's like our SOBs. I saw. What, they changed their name? No, I said that's like Connecticut's SOBs because SOB is a huge oh, place. Oh, SOB yeah. in, in New York. Yeah, yeah, that's a great place, too. Yeah. I, I saw uh, a lot of people in there. Rolling Stones. It was awesome. Yeah, I've heard stories. I've heard Mob Deep's been there. I know Nas has performed there. Yep. It's, it's a small venue, too, and everywhere you're in, everywhere small you're sitting venue, there. but the, the door's been open forever. Yeah. At least three generations. So that's good. And you got um, Pepe's Pizza in New Haven. Yeah, that's right. It's yep. huge, huge pizza place. And, you know, people may not know this, but Connecticut is a huge theater community. You got Yale Rep, you got uh, Long Wharf, you got Harper Stage, you got Theater Works. You know, so if anybody is in Connecticut and saying, what do I do? How do I do it? And then there are smaller theaters like Hole in the Wall. In Britain, uh, Manchester Community College has a theater program. There's things you can do. You know, people you can't procrastinate about acting. You got to get up, get started, and do it. Volunteer, do whatever you need. Show your love for it, and it will return its love. And then even deeper than that, for all the people that like, everybody's got a story to tell. Everybody's life is unique and particular to them. So you know, just open up your laptop and start writing and have a beginning, middle, and an end and say something, you know? You mm. never know. And we're talking about a lot of geography here. What are some of your favorite places to travel or some of your favorite places where you filmed? Uh, I love Africa. I've been there four mm. times. I just shot a film in Cape Town in February, Bulletproof 2. Uh, it was on Love, myself, and a uh, great cast. Um, that that's the high point. Uh, I shot a film in Paris, France, uh, called The Secret. Mm-hmm. I was there for six months. Blew my mind. Just the history. And uh, talk about a, a, a country that loves to drink. <laughs> <laughs> first night, the first night. You know, I'm trying to be a professional. First night, the producers they wanted to take me all around all these places. After the eighth place, they said, "What time are we shooting tomorrow?" And every single pub I went to had a little plaque, had a little chair that said Ernest Hemingway's right here. I said, okay. Then we started shooting. Lunches in Europe are different than in in America. In America, we have maybe a half hour to an hour to eat. It's quiet. We'll go to the trailers. In Paris, it's a a three-hour lunch. And uh, and after you eat, they bring out the wine bottles. So the first day, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm American. I studied America. We don't drink while we work. By the end of the week, I'm sharing wine with them. It was one of the most joyous sets I've ever been on uh, until the end. And everybody started screaming at each other. That was the highlights. Uh, being on Broadway, major, major, major highlight. To finish a show in New York City and not have to be back until 7 o'clock the next night. And to have New York as your open playground, nothing like it. Uh, those, those, are, those are the big ones, uh, you know. Mm. Then there's other highlights that were film-specific, but Paris, Africa, you know, Broadway. Well, I have to put those on my bucket list to go to Paris and Africa. Sounds great. Oh, man. 
Yeah, Paris is a little closer. I mean, you got you got three museums where you can actually get within three feet of the Mona Lisa. You know, you just it, whatever medium, whatever whether you're an artist or not, but let's just say that you are an artist is just going to fuel your art. You know, that's why if you look at the history of jazz and the expatriation of jazz musicians in this country, mm. they all went to Paris and they were they, the racism was gone. It was negated. It wasn't didn't exist. People judged you on what you did, what your job was, and they and, and they would come back to America and you know face the same old uh, racial crap and yeah. couldn't understand it. That's why Nina Simone stayed there. That's why Miles spent time there. Coleman Hawkins, you know, Dexter Gordon. Uh, there's something about it mm. that's unique. Now, don't get me wrong. I love America. This is where I grew up with, but we have our problems. Yes. I can't wait we for our little divide to finally subside. And this is why... And if you're not... Get political. I don't care what side you're on. Just get political and get involved. Yeah, and and I'd agree with you 100. percent And this is why this brings us back to George A. Romero. Why he was a genius with the Night of the Living Dead, because that mm -hmm. what people don't realize that was a, a racial tension movie. Oh yeah, uh, with people that were put in a life or death situation. Mm. And I asked George. I said, George, why? What? what Invited you to cast Dwayne originally, and he told me that the role wasn't written uh, African American. It was written, you know, open, and Dwayne just happened to be the best actor to come in the room. And uh, and I remember when I first saw the original black and white, it was at a drive-in theater in East Hartford, uh, and I said, "Wow!" And I knew I kind of wanted to be an actor then, but like seeing him up on the big screen, I said, "Okay." I can do this. There's going to be job opportunities for me, and and thankfully there were. And years later, you reprised the role. Yeah, which is you know, and I and I will all only wanted to give honor to Dwayne and what he did, mm. and other people like Kenneth Lee, you know, who oh, did yeah. great. Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of Dawn of the Dead. You know, he's a good friend of mine. Um, you know, Carrie Alexander, who did Day of the Dead. Mm. It's uh, it's great. Eugene, who did the, uh, what was that movie? Or the Robbie, um, the John Miyamo. Oh, um. Dennis Hopper. Uh, not Island of the Dead. Come on, it was one of George's last films. Was it Land anyway, of the Dead? The fans. Land of the Dead. The yeah. fans out there know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They already went, don't you know, Tony? Tony, don't you know? Don't you know, Tony? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, Tony doesn't know everything, but the things I do know, I'm damn sure about them. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. And my next question is, you scared audiences with your role of Candyman. Is there anything that scares you, or was there ever a horror movie that terrified you? Yeah, several. Rosemary's Baby. Oh. Roman Polanski. Love that film. And it particularly resonated knowing that the Dakotas where John Lennon lost his life. You know, and that's the main character in the film. Um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh, that's a, a classic. Kid before cable. We would all turn in the schoolyard, everybody would know. We didn't need a TV guy, we didn't need a cable guy. We just we just would go to the playground and listen to the word on the street. 
Okay, Adam Costello is coming on at four o'clock this, this afternoon. <laughs> Go check it out. And boom, and then we talk about it all day. That the original Frankenstein, the original Bride of Frankenstein, classic, the Invisible Man, Dracula. Um, recently, I loved. I actually liked Midsummer this year. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? No, I haven't seen Did that. You see it? Good, solid film, man. Good, you know, had some flaws towards the end, but no words, no flashing, but scary as heck. A Quiet Place, uh, Kaczynski's Quiet Place, which I'm now making part two of. You know, been a Stephen King fan all my life. You know, there's... Uh, and It just came out, too, fan. part two. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no. I'm just going to be watching, uh, you know, Miles Davis versus the Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but bringing back to Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, that was filmed, like part of it was filmed in Stanford, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. I did not know. I believe part what of it. What was the link? I forget where exactly it was filmed. I know that the ending with the castle, I think it was filmed... I could send you the link. I'm, I'm gonna look that up after the interview. Yeah. I, could, I could send it to you. I remember right. reading that online. I was like, "Really? That was filmed there?" Wow. I, I spent a year in Stanford in an interim school between Gene O'Neill and Trinity Rep at a place called Stanford uh, Conservatory. Uh, that theater is no longer there, but uh, yeah, it was a year year in Stanford, very corporate at that time. Mm. And, uh, but they had the New York Post, which I became instantly addicted to <laughs> reading about New York from afar and the adventures of Studio 54. Never made it there, but I made it other places. The Ritz in New York, you remember the Ritz? Oh, yeah. The Ritz was a man. I saw King Creole and the Coconuts there four times. I saw George Clinton. Oh, phenomenal. As a matter wow. of fact, that's something that's on my table, which is a uh, biography of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, and wow. Filmmakers want me to play George Clinton. So we'll, we'll see if that happens. Yeah. That would be an honor. Oh, that oh, that would be wild. <laughs> would be. W-F-U-N-K. Oh, man. Now, so you got to do whatever you do in life. It has to make you laugh with pure enjoyment. Not like dread Monday morning. Oh God, I got to get up yeah, to no. work. Okay, whatever you do, you got to like love it, man. Love it to pieces. Because they say it's not really love work it like when Tupac, you do. It. Love it. No, it's not at all. Yeah. I mean, you, and let me tell you something. Film work is like fifteen-hour days, but it flies by. A, the, the pay is phenomenal, and B, you're doing something that you know is going to be appreciated, and maybe not. Sometimes you strike out. I once did a film called uh, a version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, uh, it was directed by the late John Beekler. Uh, it didn't come out well, but to, the making of it, it was a challenge, and I loved it. And uh, it's one of my regrets of things that didn't click. What year was uh, this film? And along with, that was um, maybe 1998-ish. It's out there, but it, I don't recommend it. But oh. only, you know, I tried. I learned then that and it's something that's very important. You're only as good as your weakest link in any film because as soon as something bad comes up, 
you get distracted from the, the main story is going to be everybody's got to be on the same page tell the story that's in front of you you know, mm. and tell it honestly. And if it's not done honestly, then it gets into inadvertent comedy. I got to ask you this, too, because this is big in today's day and age in films, especially horror films. How do you feel about remakes today? I wish that there were more original writing mm-hmm. out there, and I know that there is. I know Hollywood is afraid of taking chances with young talent or new talent or undiscovered talent, but I think that, uh, you know, America is a very complex place. And so any place you have this kind of complexity, there are stories that haven't been told that need to be told, which is one reason I'm going to dive into the whole reality world. Mm-hmm. Because I, want, uh, I want a sense of truth. So I, I want, and I encourage, I started off as a writer. When I went to, when I went to Trinity, my focus, my number one focus was writing and then acting. And it wasn't at the, but we had great acting teachers, including Suzanne Shepard, who played Carmela's mother on The Sopranos. And she was the best acting teacher I ever had. Shut me down, broke me apart, tore me down, and built me back up. And, uh, and I, I wish everybody had that kind of experience and that kind of mentorship. You know? Wow. I didn't, know, I didn't know that difference. you were a writer either. Wow. Yeah, that's that's. I've written several scripts. There's one that I think may get done. It's called Sicale, uh, which means the looting, and it takes place in the Dominican Republic uh, about baseball, loosely about baseball. Mm. You know, like in the last 20 years, there's been at least 10 baseball players that have died from the DR. You know, either in the off season coming home, getting in the car is too fast, or Succumbing to the pressures of the uh, uh, of the street and uh, or whatever, mm. so kind of homage to that kind of fallen stardom. Now, what do you love most about going to horror conventions today? Um, uh, I like reacquainting myself with fans, and 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 the main thing I love is seeing the fan art. That's that's great. I mean, financially, it's good, too, but I genuinely enjoy meeting fans and talking to people and trying to figure out why they would even want or be interested in what a skinny black kid from Connecticut has to say. Oh, no. You're a legend. You can't ever think that. The minute you think that, you're you're done. Yeah, that's true. You have to have that sense of wonder, man. You know, it's not over. Uh, until it's over, you can't even put a label on anything or anybody. Mm. I don't believe in living legends. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I mean, there's some great, there's great talent out there. Don't don't get me wrong. I love, you know, I, I, I'm a huge sports guy. Uh, you know, my Yankees world is great. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wish we had shored up some pitch, more pitching, but I think we'll be okay. Yeah, and that also brings me to my next question. What other sports teams that you root for now that you just said that you're a huge Yankee fan? Yeah. Well, growing up in Connecticut, you know, I had my choices. Uh, so I wasn't a, I wasn't a Celtics fan when I grew up. I was a Knicks fan until I moved out here and met Kobe and Shaq and immediately became a Laker fan. But uh, my three teams are Yankees, and people hate me for this because we're winners. But the Yankees, 
Patriots. Oh, no. And the Lakers. Oh, no. I'm a Jets fan. What do you fan. mean? Oh, no. Oh. You're, you're a Jets fan? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, man, but it's all good. Uh. You guys, <laughs> you, you beat the Patriots during the, during the regular season from time to time. Yeah. Maybe you'll end up with Antonio Brown. No, it was just announced on the news actually during this interview. I got a Bleacher Report notification that you guys picked up Antonio Brown. We did. I know that rumor was floating around all day, so it's official. Uh, More fuel for the hatred. Uh, Thank God I was in Vegas six months ago, and I already placed a bet for them to win it all. Okay, Along with the Yankees and along with the Lakers. So mark my words, this time next year when we re-interview or when I stop in person in the studio, okay? Oh, for sure. (laughs) Well, you know, if anybody can handle AD, it will be Belichick because the first moment that he starts any bullshit, he's going to be on his ass. Oh, yeah, he'll straighten him right up. Yeah, I know it's weird how that happened and all this stuff he had to go through and put up with. And, you know, it's bad behavior. But if anybody can get him straight, it will be the Patriots system. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. They're going to be burning the Jets. I know, nobody. This is just one more reason for people to hate us. It's cool. Well, I look look at it this way. The Jets, we never get uh, these great players. I mean, I'm so... Thankful we have Le'Veon Bell, but Antonio Brown. It yeah, just makes, you got Le'Veon Bell. It, it, but that just makes it null and void now because our defense is oh, it's really bad this year. The cornerbacks, we, we don't have Revis anymore like we used to, and our corners are just right, shaky. No yeah, well, that's the joy of a sixteen, you know, of a seventeen game season, man. You know, you never know. Yeah, tomorrow's a big day. You guys play tomorrow, right? Yeah, we play the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you should get that. Yeah, we should. No offense to the, no offense to Buffalo chicken wing fans out there. Uh, <laughs> you should uh, get that. Oh my goodness! But as a Laker fan, no, uh, I, I understand because you moved out to L.A. But I, I'm yeah, still, and I'm I got st- to hang out with Shaq and yeah. Kobe. Come on. What? I'm still a Knicks fan. Though. And that was that. Talk about hip hop. Talk about hip hop. What the greatest hip hop duo in, in history. Oh yeah, the Shaq. on how many songs? Come on. Yeah, Shaq and Kobe. Let's forget about their solo albums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Shaq is the greatest athlete rapper of all time, though. He's got some records. Possibly. Mm-hmm. But that, how much? I mean, not Latrell Sprewell. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be about that. Huh? Yeah, I'm gonna forever be a Knicks fan, though. I'm a dedicated Knicks fan. Yeah, listen, man. The Knicks broke my heart in 1994 in the playoff season against Houston. Oh. Okay, my uh, Jawan, the dream, man. John Starks was that final errant shot. But, uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the big, the big, I, I have a soft spot. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, and Madison Square Garden is the mecca of basketball, not to mention the cage on 4th and 6th. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just not a big fan of the owner, Dolan. I, I just feel like the team hasn't been no. uh, just same since no. the 90s. How did they mess up, okay, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving possibly coming there. It's How the did they mess that up? It's the owner, and I think the yeah. whole Charles Oakley situation makes it worse. 
Oh man, when they kicked Oakley out of the yeah, garden. That was ridiculous. Really? How do you do that? How do you do that? I'm sorry, that's disrespectful. It is. But we digress. Oh my yeah. We could go on forever about that, especially Dolan. And I yeah. I just you mentioned before because my next question is, what is next for you? You mentioned before you got the reality TV coming, autobiography coming, anything else in films? I know you mentioned before you're going to keep that under wraps, though. Anything else? Or? Yeah, well, I did a uh, – I, I got eight films in a can. Mm-hmm. One that really, really sticks out, two. One is called Badlands, or more than that, uh, which is a Western period piece. Uh, and I shot something in sync. The film of gangster, like it stars a young um, uh, UK rapper named Q. Uh, we shot it in St. Louis. Uh, did a film in Texas called Martha, Texas, about the phenomenon of the Martha Lights. You know about those? Mm-hmm. I've heard. Yep. Yeah. So that's called Martha, which is going to be great. And uh, you know, those are the ones that really pop out. Get ready to shoot. A new one uh, a week from now in Nashville called The Reenactment, where I actually play a, 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 a reality TV host, mm-hmm. ironically, but it's more of a comedic, comedic thing. So the future is looking bright, my friend, for all of us. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to what you have coming in the future here. And I want to thank you, Tony, for calling into my uh, show. Just switched over to the to the to the update for the Yankees at the Red Sox. Okay. Okay. Four to nothing. Four to nothing. Top of the sixth. Yankees are winning. And that's why, huh? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm a Mets fan, so. In Boston. Oh. Uh, you, you're a what fan? I'm a Mets fan. Oh, okay, I'm, man, Manton, the Mets and the Jets, huh? Yeah, Mets. Near that kind of New York, I love it. It's awesome, man. That's why New York sports pages are the best in the world, because it's, what, at least nine pages every day? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see what they can say about AD going to the pack oh, on Monday. It's over. <laughs> it's it's over for us, too. Uh, another nah, year. Another clearly, year. man. Just when I thought it was yeah, over, we'll a whole a <laughs> we'll whole see. new nightmare. Take a breath, Mac. Take a breath. Take a breath. It's all good. Yep. And the thrill of sports, the thrill of movies, the thrill of TV, the thrill of writing as well. It's all there for everybody. Choose your side. Yes. Yes. And I Lakers, Pat, Yankees. Oh, <laughs> that's a great duo. Oh man. Trio. Trio, that's right. Uh, I want to thank you, Tony, for calling into my show for this interview. Max, it's been a it's been a pleasure. I hope you've had fun and enlightenment as I have had. Oh man. Yeah, oh, I for sure did. I had a great time. It was an honor. And like like I and said the before fact that you're a Connecticut resident and native makes it even better. <laughs> yeah, I I always say that. I always look online and tell people yeah, there's never I never know anyone huge to come out of Connecticut except for you and I there's like very few people that I know if they're huge. No, you had you, you 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 got uh, Kate Hepburn, you got Tony Randall, you got Eric LaSalle who did the ER for years. 
so it's, you know, there's few, but more importantly, the theater scene is where it's at in Connecticut. Mm. You know, there's so many yell, yell rap is just legendary. Uh, so is Longworth, so is Theaterworks, so is Harvey State. Mm. And yeah. like I said before, your mind gets challenged. Is um, I would love to have you in the studio when you're in the New York area. I will definitely, too. I would definitely. My daughter is in New York, so I come in and out from time to time. I got your number. I'll give you a jingle, or even if I come to Connecticut. All right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Anytime. I'd love to have you in the studio, St. John's, especially. And I think I would love to be it. I think I think people at St. John's, here. especially the horror fans, would love to have you up there. All right. Sounds good, man. Mm-hmm. I'll make that happen. Yes. And um, and I'll and I'm going to stay in touch with you. I got your number now and just thank you again. And Why don't you do me a favor and reach out to the theater department at St. John's, you know, because I oh, do yeah. guest lecturing. Uh, at different places. That's yeah. another avenue I really want to do more of teaching because I taught for three years after I got my master's before I moved to New York. So I'll definitely got a lot of knowledge to drop on folks. <laughs> I'll definitely talk to the theater department. And now that you bring that up, uh, uh, Kane Hodder actually, when I met him, he gave a speech at St. John's too. Did he? Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, I'd love to get you a speech down here, too. You inspire a lot of people up here, and, and especially at the radio station. Oh, that, could you hold on one second? Oh, yeah. Just one second, okay? Oh, yeah. Gotta call you back. All right, sorry. Oh, next door to us, because at sorry, the radio right. station. Oh, no, it's fine. It's perfectly all fine. Yeah. Next door to us at the radio station is the TV Film Club. So I bet they they love awesome. to have you in there. They actually have a... I think they have a Candyman poster in the office, too. Oh, really? Yeah. So we got to make that happen. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. All right, Tony, I'm going right, to let Max. you go now and enjoy. I'm going to the... get out of here, get in my car, and enjoy the sunshine. Oh, yes, and enjoy enjoy the rest of your day, Tony, and uh, I'll be in touch, all right? All right, thanks, Max. And when you, this comes out, will you drop it on Twitter as well? Oh, yeah, I'm, I promote it all over. I, you, Yeah, exactly. Actually, uh, you, you have an Instagram, I think, right? Yes, yeah. either one. Okay. Or both. Um, yeah, you can actually give them your Instagram. Tell them where they can follow you on Instagram. What's your Instagram? And Absolutely. Handles? My Instagram is Tony Todd Official, mm-hmm. and my Twitter is at Tony Todd 54. Great. All right, Tony, All I'm right. going to be in touch. All right, thank you. My phone number is, I'm kidding. All right, <laughs> <eight years old. laughs> Oh, man. All right, Tony, it was a pleasure. <laughs> God bless, man. Yeah, God bless you, Take too. Take care, all right? Take care. Enjoy this change of the seasons, okay? Yes. Enjoy those leads. Yes. Looking all forward right. to it. All right, Peace. Tony. Peace. Thanks. WSJU Radio DJ Mad Max, thank you again for the legendary Tony Todd for calling in for this great interview. You can follow him on Instagram at Tony Todd Official, Twitter, Tony Todd 54 And tomorrow night will be my last horror show. And I plan to have big things planned for next year's October. And I already have some great ideas and people I would love to have on the show. And I'll be mapping it out for you guys. But thanks again to everyone tuned in. And again, tomorrow night at 9 p.m., David Naughton from American World in London will be calling in to talk about the film and much more. And thanks again, Tony Todd. And everyone, Michael Rothman from the Halloweenies and Losers Club podcast for calling in again. 
It's always a pleasure having Mike on. Tony Pavena from the Conspiracies, Crimes, and Curses podcast. We're calling in tonight as well. That's our podcast. And Georgie, who is host of the Chatterbox here on Thursday nights at 8.30 p.m. for joining us for the special show. Really an October Fright Fest show here at WSJU Radio. Special sports and hip-hop with DJ Mad Max. But sports and hip-hop will be returning very soon, November 4th. And I will make that announcement very soon. And until then, stay tuned and enjoy the spooky season of October, which we are in now, and Halloween is this Thursday. So stay tuned until then. WSJU Radio, St. John's University, The Voice.